0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Hour of Love. I'm Charbo, and this
1: is... El Bandito. Hey, El Bandito. How are you doing tonight? Oh, man, I'm doing great tonight, senor. I'm super psyched. I'm super pumped for what we have for you guys tonight. We have a super exciting episode, all based around the amazing lead-up to Infinity War. Probably the end-all, be-all awesomest movies of ever coming out, ever.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, definitely, man. You know, it's been uh, 10 years in the making, you know, since since one movie kind of kicked it off, man, and you got that that uh, post credit scene where you know talked about the Avengers coming and yep. it was like oh man what's gonna happen then you know uh, lo and behold a few years after that we get the post credit scene and you know Avengers with Thanos and mm-hmm. we've been waiting for that for now what, what six years now <laughs> so I mean heck yeah it's man. definitely like you said it's, I think it's been worth the wait but you know we mentioned that you know one movie kicked it off
1: man and who was that about None other than the Invincible Iron Man, dude. 2008, it's the 10-year anniversary of the film, so it's pretty awesome. uh, I'm sorry, May 2nd was the day it was released in 2008 here in the United States, so it was pretty awesome. It was a pretty exciting day. It really revolutionized kind of superhero movies. I mean, they had been getting better. They'd been doing really good. The Incredible uh, Hulk was just around the corner after it to come out uh, and kind of replace the not so great hulk (laughs) but it's just funny that you know a few a few weeks ago last month you know we started to do the infinity war countdown where we wanted to highlight one of the six avengers in each month leading up to infinity wars release and we started it off last month with the first avenger captain america oh yeah Um, i'll put a link or something to it uh if you haven't caught that but uh We got so much love off of that one segment because we only dedicated like 20 minutes to doing it, the (laughs) history of Cap and stuff like that. And we got so many comments and so many people just liking that segment that we decided to go ahead and do tonight's entire episode and the rest of the Infinity War countdown episodes solely based on the Avenger of our choice. And tonight, you know, last time we did the first Avenger, tonight we're doing the first of the Avengers who really kind of had their own Marvel Studios movie. Um, so yeah, we're dedicating tonight to Iron Man.
0: Oh, you know it, man. And like we know like a lot of people are fans of these movies and stuff, man. You know, you guys can throw down some comments who's your favorite Avenger. If you love Tony Stark, Iron Man, throw up some love down there, man. You know, definitely, you know, we love to interact with you guys and we're gonna have a really good show with lots of good information and, and, and it's just gonna be a lot of fun. So also if you know some friends who dig Iron Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, be sure to share it, man, because the more people we get in here party partying,
1: the better. Absolutely, man. So, yeah, th- throw out a share or something, let some people know what's going down, because tonight what we've got in store for you is we've got three segments dedicated to Iron Man. First off, we're going to start off by giving you guys a history of the kind of comic book uh, Iron Man, like, you know, where the concept came from, the idea who the creators are, everything like that. So we're going to have a brief little segment on that. Then we're going to jump into some of the all-time best storylines over the, what is it, 50 years now oh, that yeah, Iron yeah. Man's been around. Um, so we're going to take a in-depth looks at, at some of his popular stories. And then we're going to wrap it up by doing what really inspired our Infinity War countdown. We're going to do our rating. Oh, right? yeah. So we're going to go through... And we're going to judge and rate different aspects of it. We're going to need the audience to chip in and give us their vote and their opinion as well. And we're also going to break down his presence in the MCU, where he's at, how that affects the overall story arcs, and where we think it's going to go from there, as far as into Infinity War and beyond. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Like we said, you know, it started off in 2008. You know, I still remember going to see, you know,
0: the first Iron Man after seeing like the trailers and stuff. You know, like you're right, man. It, it kind of started to kind. Of dry up a little bit where you know um uh you, you know the spider-man movies were kind of finishing up and mm-hmm. um you know like i said that that hulk movie wasn't all that great you know the ang lee one yeah so it was kind of like oh man what what can they do man is this going to really bring it to the next level and i gotta say i remember when i left that theater i was like <laughs> that was
1: killer absolutely man yeah john favreau robert downey jr they just immensely awesome movie. Like I said, we've got some highlights about it. We're going to talk all about that in the final segment of the show today. So that'll be in about 30 minutes or so from now. Absolutely. Uh, But for right now, why don't we just dive right into it and we start talking about the history of Iron Man, where he came from, where he started off in the comics. What do you think about that, Senior Bull? Let's do it. All right, let's check it out, guys. Wah, wah, wah. Let's bring the screen on in. Do
0: you guys like our version of Jarvis here? (laughs) You know? That's... You know, that's w- Charvis.
1: <laughs> we're working on whether or not I can actually talk to him. So far I cannot, but <laughs> we're getting there. All right, man. Sorry, so let's let's fire it up here and let's see what our first slide is for tonight. Tales of Suspense number thirty nine. This Wherein is the comic all. that started it all. You got it, yep, man. Sorry, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, where it all began. You know, this is you know, I-
0: I'm sure a lot of our listeners would be surprised to know that. It wasn't Iron Man number one, you know, like, yeah, tales of suspense here.
1: Yeah, pretty much all the old time comics like started off in these anthology books. You know, Um, your Spider-Mans were an amazing fantasy and stuff like that. Only a few characters like Captain America were uh, given their own book right off the bat. I think the only other real notable example is the Fantastic Four. Like they came out in Fantastic Four. So that's pretty epic. But. Iron Man actually rose to popularity out of an anthology book, which is very difficult to do. But when you do that, it means you're something special, and that's exactly what Iron Man was. Now, Stan Lee actually didn't create Captain America, and he's the only Avenger uh, out of the ones were, were out of the original six here from from the Avengers 2012 movie. Um, but he absolutely created Iron Man. Right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, but the official listing is that. Four people are actually the co-creators of Iron Man. So let's take a look at those four gentlemen right now.
0: Well, that definitely surprises me, man. Because, yeah, I would have always just pegged, you know, uh, Stan Lee as that creator. But like we said, there's Mm -hmm. always a lot of great minds that go into these awesome
1: characters. Absolutely. It kind of goes back to that mantra Nick Fury throws around where you can really do something great when you realize that you're part of something bigger. You know? You know it, man. So Stan Lee and Larry... Lieber uh, both worked on the story. Stan Lee kind of came up with the concept, the idea, and the plot and then Larry Lieber went ahead and fleshed out the whole story. He penned the actual script for the first issue. Now, it seems like kind of a coincidence. Stan Lee, Larry Lieber, that they kind (laughs) of both have sort of the same name. Well, Stan Lee's real name is Lieber and this is his younger brother Larry who he hired to come in and do a lot of the, the script fleshing out for him uh, while he was working on so many books after all the success they had in 62.
0: That's pretty awesome, man. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, I know like we've tried to sit down and like create a comic before and stuff, and that's what you <laughs> do. You know, you go to like your friends and your family, and you're like, hey, I got this awesome idea, and you kind of collaborate a little bit. So this is cool that him and his brother, you know, share this creation.
1: Absolutely. Hey, Party Man, Will, if you're out there watching, bro, I see in the comments, do me a favor, tag Kelly Jade and see if she'll join it because i know she really wanted to see this i don't see her in here she's probably off noodling around eating dinner or something and forgot <laughs> so shoot, shoot 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 her down there in the tags man that'd be awesome and
0: definitely real quick <laughs> shout out to james p jason l man we see you guys rich g justin k man you guys thanks for joining us be sure to keep throwing down some awesome comments and let us know what you
1: think of the show tonight absolutely all right so the other two gentlemen involved of course Living legend well, not living, that's that's a bad way of putting it, but the legendary Jack Kirby. Right? <laughs> the he, hardest worker. Yeah, ever. I mean again, another photo of him just working over here on the thing. <laughs> and with him there is Don Heck, which is actually the guy's real name. <laughs> Pretty cool name there. there but Jack Kirby did the initial Cover for the book, which it was kind of common practice back in the day that the cover would get done first, especially in an anthology book. And then the story and all would be fleshed out kind of from the zingy, amazing cover. And Jack Kirby, of course, doing the cover of of the book designed his original Iron Man's original battle suit there, you know, his original Iron Man armor. So that's really what gives Jack Kirby kind of that chew, in. is like, yeah, I definitely helped create the guy. I came <laughs> up with the freaking armor, you know. There you go. It wouldn't be Iron
0: Man without the iron, right? The iron. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: without the suit, man. So, but Don Heck was the actual artist who worked on the rest of the book, and he went on to create the characters' uh, look in the books um, from Tony Stark himself, Pepper Potts, Happy Hogan, all the supporting characters and stuff that came about in those first few issues were all uh, Don Heck. Cool, man. It's it's neat to know that, like you said, everyone, I mean,
0: you know, Stan Lee gets a lot of the praise, man, but there's a lot of, like we said, a lot of cats behind,
1: you know, Stan the man that helped out here. Absolutely. But, you know, you may be asking, well, what was the, what was the initial kind of push to the book, like, like what really started it all off? I'm gonna go to my next slide, let's see what it is. Okay, it's it's billionaire playboy Tony Stark, right? <laughs> so this, this is a good slide to ch- chunk this out on you. So, Stanley himself in plenty of interviews has said that at the time, he was really feeling confident, almost in that edge of being cocky, where he's like, <laughs> I had uh, done a couple of great books, you know, um, with the Hulk, Fantastic Four, all this stuff, Spider-Man, you know, a couple of great books had come out. And he felt like he could make a character based on anything and he could make people love it. So he took it kind of as a dare to himself to take something that at the time people weren't loving, right? So he's like, what if we got an arms dealer who's part of the military industrial complex, who's a billionaire playboy, he's kind of a snob, he's kind of a schmuck, you know? I wonder if I can write a character like that and shove it down America's throat and make them love it. <laughs> you know? And that's literally what he said. I'm going to shove it down their throats and they're going to love it. And oddly enough, he came up with the story of Tony Stark and Iron Man. And I, I say for the most part, yeah, we just were like, oh, yes. Mm, nom, nom, nom.
0: <laughs> you know, absolutely, man. It's like, you know, it's funny. I remember when I was a kid, like reading all the various X Men and stuff like that. I remember I came across an Iron Man comic and, you know, just as like yellow and red costume. I was just kind of like, I just thought he was a robot. Like yeah. I, didn't, I didn't think he was like a guy in there until later mm-hmm. when I actually read it. And I was like, okay, it's actually a dude in a suit. That's yeah. And,
1: cool. and when you get to the actual origin story, what's cool about it is it's so much exactly the same way that the movie kind of takes place with with a few small differences here and there. I mean, obviously, here he is, billionaire, playboy and everything. So that's very much the same. You know, Then you move on to look at different aspects of it, like the... He's a genius. You know, he makes weapons, all this stuff. That's very much like they portrayed it exactly like in the movie. And also, um, he's in Vietnam instead of kind of the Gulf War Afghanistan stuff that we see later. Because in the books later, they kind of retconned it to the Persian Gulf War. And then in the film, obviously, they're in Afghanistan. right? But here we see he's actually in Vietnam, and he steps on a booby trap that's a landmine that his company made. And that's what explodes and sends the shrapnel into his heart. Very similar, of course, to how in the film, it's his weapons that are being used against him in that rocket attack. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he even sees the shell hit the ground. You can see the Stark Industries right on it. You know? Oh, man. So from there, uh, he ends up in a cave with Yensen, who they show in the, in the film as well, and He's injured. Jensen helps him build this suit of armor. He's captured by the Viet Cong, who are all like, oh, yeah, we want you to build us super weapons. So he's like, yeah, I'll build you the bestest thing you ever seen. And he ends up building the Iron Man suit to kind of help him stay alive, but also help him escape, help him and Jensen. You know, in both instances, Jensen ends up unfortunately dying in, in, the, in the conflict to escape. Um, but... He did everything he could, and you know he's a good dude and There's definitely a moment at the end of the original book where he's like, "I hope you can rest easy knowing that I'm gonna take what we created and do something good with it so oh, it's it's cool. really cool, yeah, yeah. yeah, but from there, um we've also got some other interesting quirks about this where, like I said, he's in Vietnam, but also one of the most interesting things is that back in the day, you remember all Marvel superheroes like they kind of had to have that one fatal flaw, that one price that they paid for their abilities. Oh, or power. absolutely.
0: Spider-Man with Uncle Ben yeah, you know, so forth. The, the thing being a big Rocky monster. Absolutely.
1: The Hulk's always on the run. Bruce Banner's always on the run. You know, they, they always have to kind of give up something. There's always a price for their power. And initially, Tony Stark's price was the fact that he was stuck in that suit of armor. He couldn't take it off or anything like that. And you can see he's like, I'll spend my life in this iron prison. Oh, wow. Okay. So, I, didn't, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I didn't it's realize pre- he was stuck in there. <laughs> it's pretty intense, um, but also something that they were like, that's pretty intense. And they got away from it almost right away. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so l- later on in the series, I mean, like the next issue and then on, he he just wears the chest plate, but he has to wear a full chest plate. It's not just the ring of light like in the movie, which doesn't seem like that much of a hassle, but... I definitely wouldn't want to have a ring of light in my chest. I'm sorry. Sure, sure, but, sure. but uh, yeah, he has to wear a full, a full chest plate, which seems very cumbersome. And then, like, he's like, I can't go to the beach because I'm embarrassed, you know, and all that rust and stuff, you know. Uh, so, so, some of the other kind of neat quirks about it. Oh, he, here's the chest plate. There, you can see it. Oh, there you go. Um, w- some of the other cool quirks about it is that they didn't have an arc reactor. You know, that was a great innovation for the new film. That it was actually a power source that would always power the Iron Man suit. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, but originally it was just sort of like a magnetic pacemaker thing that kept him alive. That meant that he actually had to power his suit. So there'd be a lot of scenes and a, and, and a lot of stories that revolved around him being like, "My suit's out of juice. Oh no, I got to go hook up to a car battery and zap myself some some energy so I can keep this battle going."
0: So once again, like another kind of weakness to the that he had to, yes. you know, find power sources. Okay, yes, that's okay. kind of what yeah. took
1: the place of the encased-in-metal suit thing, which they were like, this guy's going to stink and die in there. Like, uh, yeah, You, know, yeah, you yeah. can't just sit in a metal suit your whole yeah. life. Um, but also, the big push in the original comics was that he was able to use transistors to micro-size his technology. Because you got to think, at the time, they're still using tubes for a lot of stuff, and transistors was kind of like a big innovation for them. Nowadays, we see a lot of biotech, nanotechnology things that are very, very cutting-edge, but just as a neat little side note, that was their cutting-edge aspect that made Iron Man believable in those original comics, was that he was able to use transistors to actually make his suit do things that technology that small couldn't do.
0: (laughs) Well, that's pretty cool. Over here, we got Party Man Wolf saying that that panel on the left almost looks like it came out of a porno.
1: <laughs> he's like, my body is ready.
0: <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> you know uh, Tony Stark does kind of look like a 70s porn star. You he know, he that, does, his yeah. Stash and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, they, they've
1: said several times that he's very much modeled off of Howard Hughes. Okay. You know, okay. now, Howard Hughes being the famous, uh, you know, multimillionaire millionaire, uh, built the Spruce Goose. You know, made films and things like that and was kind of very eccentric, and a little weird. He was a germaphobe, had a weird kind of thing. They accused him of being a communist and all this stuff. So kind of a lot of parallels between him and Tony Stark. Um, And what's really interesting is that Howard Stark, who they portray in a lot of his movies, Tony's dad, is very much Howard Hughes. Like, I mean, to a tease, Howard Hughes, without kind of the germaphobe weird stuff. You know, um, but it's great that they kind of pay that homage back in the films.
0: Absolutely, man. No,
1: it's it's very, very interesting where the character is developed from to what we know today. All right. So I, I was able to get some really cool clips here. And you can you can probably read that this says, I will reward him handsomely. This guy that helped me, blah, blah, blah. And this panel here. Right. And you may be wondering, man, who who helps Iron Man? That's yeah, like, yeah. 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 yeah well, what, what was he running into that he needed help? The guy who owned well, the car? For his battery. <laughs> it turns out Tony Stark was driving a race car, and he got crashed and got stuck behind the wheel. Oh, okay. And a good Samaritan runs out from the crowd and tries to help him. And Tony Stark is like, hey, man, just leave me. I'm fine. The whole car is going to explode in like a second, and I'm trapped under the steering wheel. And this beast of a guy just pulls the steering wheel back and is like, there you go. Now you ain't stuck no more. Come on. And he's like, but this gas is going to explode. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And he drags him out of there and saves him, right? (laughs) This is Happy Hogan. Oh okay. This is how okay. he originally meets Happy in the comics. And it's it's only a, a, a few issues uh in. Okay. You know, I think it's issue 45 of Tales of Suspense. Wow. So 6 issues later Happy Hogan showed up. So you know, you see him, he's portrayed by John Favreau in the films. Here he is here. He's even in Spider-Man Homecoming. Yes. You know, so we've seen Happy Hogan a lot and it's really cool to know that he was with Iron Man almost from the beginning there. Yeah. You know, and from that one encounter Tony was like, I'm going to hire that dude and he's going to be my chauffeur and like my personal bodyguard. That's pretty cool, yeah. man.
0: I never and same thing with the race car, you know? Like I remember in in Iron Man 2, I'm like, why is Tony Stark like racing? Like why <laughs> is he doing that, you know? But now that makes a lot more sense, you know, cuz it yeah. was part of his
1: initial you know, run. You know? Yeah, so just, it's pretty just cool. kind of a thing he did, you know, F- fancy guy racing fancy sports cars. <laughs> so um, what's what's interesting about that issue 45, not only does it kick off Happy Hogan, but you may be asking, oh, well, where does Pepper Potts show up, right? Uh, played by Gwyneth Paltrow in the films, super hot babe, you know, kind of Tony's main love interest, man. Well, she's right there in issue number 45. <laughs> oh, it's
0: so the same issue as Happy? Same issue. Like, wow. he
1: actually brings Happy back to the office. And it's like introduces him to his secretary, who's Pepper Potts. Okay, and he's like, "Hey, this is Pepper. She's my secretary." And he's all like, "Oh my God, you're so beautiful! It's like, I love you so much." <laughs> and this is actually her reaction. She looks at him and she's like, "Oh my God, you're so ugly." She's like, "You look like Bella Lugosi. You look like a mutant dude." Does <laughs> you know? she say that to, to Happy? Yeah, she oh. says it right to his face, like it's in the dialogue box. You- and in the next panel, he's all like, "Oh, don't worry about my looks. I'm a good guy and stuff." And she's like, "Whatever, dude." <laughs> wow, the '60s were a rough.
0: Time, guys. You were just, you know, people told you how it was, like right out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no no man. beating
1: around the bush. <laughs> they just, they just tell you like it is, man. <laughs> That's all it is. But going on from there, what's really interesting is in the next few panels, you see Peppers actually walking away, and she's like, "Oh, I could never fall for a guy like Happy because one of these days." Mr. Stark is going to forget about all those models and bimbos that he hangs out with and and he'll realize what a great gal I am. So she was really written in to kind of be a long-term love interest for him right from the beginning. And uh, again, six issues in, it's it's cool to see how much that legacy has persisted. You know, how much these original characters maintained through all the years of history.
0: You know, and I got to say, I mean, just looking at that, uh, that panel right there, that's quite a bit of dialogue. You know, like I've read some like older, like, DC comic books and it's like you know it's usually very like you know it just it just goes to show how much uh feeling they were and I'm not I'm not doing a comparison thing here I'm just saying like you said the way that they were writing these characters is being a little more personable and complex in the Mm -hmm. sense of like yeah, she has this long-term goal to get the attention of Tony Stark, so yeah, pretty cool.
1: absolutely. The layers and depth of the characters was always something that uh, Stan Lee comments that him and his writing team was always trying to introduce, more humanistic characteristics. Not everyone needed to be these altruistic, perfect people like Superman and Wonder Woman were. They needed more depth and complexity, and it's odd how, in a way, it almost seems like they're trying to overcompensate for that now and make them, like, bad, horrible people <laughs> in a lot of DC movies.
0: Absolutely.
1: But. Oh, it looks like we've been joined by Kelly Jade. Hey, there she is. Lost track of the time. Thank you, Party Man, Will. I'm sure you threw her a shout-out for me. Oh, and <laughs> just
0: if you guys didn't get enough of them last week, it, all, it looks like Mr. Fusion has entered <laughs> the room.
1: All right. Well, you guys may be asking yourself, "Hey, in that one shot they showed a Tony, and he's ripping his shirt off. His whole armor was gold. What's the story with that man? Were they just cheap with red paint back then, or what was going on?" <laughs> well, you may have seen in that very first issue, Tales of Suspense thirty-nine. He was drawn completely gray, like Senior Bull said, he would look like a robot. You know. So Don Heck was like, "Dude, I don't like that. We got to jazz this dude up a bit." So in issue number forty, they went ahead and made him completely gold. You know, and they said that Tony just painted it gold. It wasn't like his armor was gold; he painted it gold. <laughs> he's you know? that rich. He's just like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm make it out of solid bladed. gold. Uh, kiss my glorious golden ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, again in the films they parallel that where he says he's like, yeah, this is kind of ugly. Let's jazz it up and paint it. Sure, you know, some hot rod red and gold. You know, but we're we're still missing the red. What happened to the red, right? Yeah, That's true. That's so true. we got issue number forty there goes on a little bit with him in this gold suit jumping around. Kind of makes for good covers, good contrast sure, with the color. Sure, sure. You know? But lo and behold, out comes the red and gold suit. With kind of the upgrade, you're kind of getting some of the shoulder elements, the two-tone helmet, all these extra little added bits and pieces, right? Now, this is Tales of Suspense number 48. Okay. So it didn't okay. take him long to hit on what would essentially become, like, his costume. And this was actually a fill-in issue that Steve Ditko came to fill in the artwork because Don Heck was, like, on vacation or taking a break or something. Okay, okay. So Steve Ditko, who you may recognize from this photo, probably not because he's a bit of a recluse, but you may recognize some of his other work, like The Amazing (laughs) Spider-Man.
0: And I got to say one thing about Steve Ditko. I mean, as you can see, when he did a character... He got it right the first time. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying his 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 stuff was so iconic that yeah. it usually stayed what it was. I know Daredevil yeah. went through a couple color iterations and stuff, that but that's Spider Man. I mean, that's what he looks like today. So yeah, yeah, with, cool.
1: with very minor changes yeah, here and there, course, you know. But definitely when when his 2002 movie came out for Spider Man, there was no need to change the costume. They hadn't changed it hardly at all in 60 years, aside from the Venom stuff. That was just a little while. It was always this red and blue that just looked hot, man. So yeah, Steve Ditko really knew a lot about costume design, man, and I think he gave Hollywood a real shoe-in for making sure that what they were working with was going to be something pretty solid. So from Steve Ditko's inspiration kind of spawned what has become the most changed costume in comic book history <laughs> <laughs> because it's kind of it's a piece of tech, right? It's a gadget. And you know how men are, man. Every time you get your hands on a gadget, you got to tweak it. You got to make it your own. You got to do a little something different. <laughs> so that's certainly been the tone uh, for all the years that they've done Iron Man. And there have been countless dozen iterations of his suit. Almost every single artist who works on the book kind of puts their own flair or spin on it. And I love the fact that, like we've said about so many other things in the history of Iron Man, that the films absolutely reflect that. Oh sure, you know? sure. Yeah. Every film has a different primary suit. Uh, a lot of movies have one or two different suits that they show. Um, so it's really great to see the variety and to know that the the style isn't as important as the character.
0: You yeah, know? you know, and, and it's neat because, like you said, it's 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 tech, so it's always advancing. And mm-hmm. doesn't he actually have like names? For you? Isn't it like mock? Yeah, they call it like Mark One, Mark yeah. Four,
1: Mark Thirty Seven, yeah. and, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, so that definitely comes along later in the actual comics where they start designating the different suits, different things. But originally, they just called them after the artist who drew them. Oh, there you yeah. go, <laughs> cool One. Now, most recently, uh, gearing up for Infinity War, they released the Infinity War Iron Man suit in its entirety. In this model that they put in Disneyland Paris oh. to promote the film, so people uh, in Disneyland Paris were able to actually walk up and see this life-size, uh, you know, replica of of Tony's new armor that's going to be in Infinity War. And you can just kind of make out how his arc reactor is a little different now. It's going to be kind of triangle, but then it has these almost like uh, little circle, curvy pieces on the ends. It oh, looks okay. really cool. So. No,
0: absolutely! I mean,
1: you know, you know, the way Iron Man ended and then
0: like what kind of happened in um or i'm in three i should say and then what happened in um civil war i mean you were just kind of like all right man let's see what because you know, it kind of like he just, you know, destroyed all those suits, and then it's like, yeah. all right, well, then he has this new suit that's more advanced and all that. So, yeah, I mean, I just can't wait to see what he has uh, coming at us next.
1: Oh, absolutely, man! I'm sure it'll be some pretty, some pretty awesome new little innovations and new tech things. I like the way his weapons always seem to change through every movie too. But they don't spend a lot of time boring us with you know science fictiony details of what every little thing on sure. his, on his yeah. suit does. But getting back to the comics, we're going to wrap up kind of your history lesson here. <laughs> And we want to talk about The Invincible Iron Man, the titular comic itself. Um, Now, it turned out that they were mega surprised after producing the first few issues of the comic that women were writing in, you know, young girls and women were writing in the majority of the fan mail for the Iron Man character. (laughs) (laughs) And Stan Lee attributes it to the fact that, you know, he was a handsome playboy. And Stan Lee's like, I was basically writing the character based on me so now nah, he jokes about that but he's like yeah so he is a rich billionaire guy who's going through these problems of being like I- i'm i'm afraid to reveal who i am i'm i feel bad about the way that i look in public and he's like these were all these kind of issues that he really felt led to women at the time seeing him as like but he's a great guy on the inside and if If he'd only noticed me, I could help him get over these minute flaws, (laughs) and he would be like the perfect guy to have, you know. So the uh, the success of the book reigned on that for about five years, all in tales of suspense. It actually ran till 1968 when Iron Man got this book, his own titular uh, comic of his own, and this debuted in May of 1968. So again, kind of cool parallel how the film came out in May. Yeah. 2008 you know his, hey, look at his book yeah. came out may 1968
0: F- 50 years after uh, after its initial creation
1: yeah so it, it's really fun stuff really great parallels that everything draws throughout it um but the one thing that they noticed was that a lot of characters weren't really feeling his kind of flaw anymore um, because the character was, st- see, his, his life was still too good. He was a playboy and a millionaire. Always had all these hot babes hanging around. He could drive race cars, go all <laughs> over the world, do all this cool stuff, and he had this badass super suit. So they were kind of like, well, he 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 didn't really. It didn't really matter that he had to wear the chest plate thing or whatever. Sure, and, sure, You know, in the original comics, you know, here after a while, he would get to carrying the suit in a briefcase that like <laughs> weighed a ton. You know, and then he'd have to take it out and put on the rest of the suit to go fight. And then he'd have like battery backup things, but it really wasn't that big a deal. Sure. Like anyone reading the book, I mean, anyone seeing the movies, like I would totally take an Iron Man suit right now, carve my heart out. <laughs> That's fine. You know, <laughs> if you could have that, it'd be worth the trade. So they decided to kind of up the ante a little bit as the series went on, and they stepped into something that would end up being kind of one of the most prominent character arcs of any superhero um, that I can recall, period. Let's hear it. Drunk Iron Man. Oh, yeah. They gave him an alcoholism problem where he was an alcoholic, and he'd get drunked up all the time. And interestingly enough, in Iron Man 118, right, not his drinking has gotten so bad that here he is like his buddy here is showing him, hey, this is his pilot who you know like how happy he's a chauffeur. Yeah. this guy's his pilot who flies his planes and stuff. Okay now he's come in and he's found Tony there passed out and just there's this attack happening and he's like, Tony, you got to do something. get up you know, get the suit going and everything like that. And this guy's like, I can't wake him up. He is blacked out drunk. I've got to do something. So he says to himself, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and put on that Iron Man suit." All right. Okay. So I and think I know where this is yeah, going. Yeah, that's the first appearance of Jim Rhodes. Not Well, wait, not this guy. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> now, both actors, both Terrence Howard and Don Cheadle, portrayed Jim Rhodes, uh, you know Colonel James <laughs> Rhodes, in um, the different Iron Man films. Uh, but the original character, yes, showed up as a result of his drinking. So I thought it was such a great homage in Iron Man 2 to have Rhodey go downstairs and get the Iron Man suit and kind of take on Tony when he's being kind of that drunk idiot that we see in the movie. And in the films, it never quite gets to that level of him being blacked out drunk while the world's in danger. Sure, you know? sure. with the comic having much more time to explore different stuff, um, this is definitely something that was a pretty, pretty dark part of comic history and it's
0: definitely followed him you know through a lot of different storylines and stuff like that i know later we're going to talk about some of the top you know comics that we've kind of Mm -hmm. just gone throughout the years but yeah this whole element you know this dark side to him has has been like you said like like a bigger flaw than the arc reactor or so you know it's it's something that he really does have control over but that sometimes you know, just the pain and, the, and everything of, of being a superhero has him yeah. slip into this dark space.
1: So Yeah, yeah, that wear and tear it takes on him as being a normal man in a suit. You're going to get beat down a little bit. It's going to hurt, you know? It, so he kind of found his solace in that bottle sort of thing. But also, like you said, the psychological stuff, your friends and family constantly being in danger, things like that, you know? But it was just interesting to me how prominent of a character Rhodey is yet here we see him for the first time, like I said, in Iron Man 118, that's 10 years after the book started. Absolutely. So this is 1979 that Jim Rhodes shows up. And if you're thinking, like, well, dude, that's War Machine. Like, of course he's going to pop up in the freaking movie in no time. (laughs) Take a moment to recognize that, like, he dons Iron Man's actual suit and takes over the mantle of being Iron Man, right? Oh, wow. And it's not until 1992 That he gets his own suit and becomes War Machine. Wow! So for the time being, though, in between there, Tony Stark was still Iron Man, right? Uh, There was a few issues where Rhodey was Iron Man.
0: Wow, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and
1: no one knew the difference because at the time in comics, he still had a secret identity. You know, uh, one of the most kind of glaring things about the movie is that ending where he's like, "I am Iron Man." Yeah, he's not gonna wear the bag, you know. Yeah, but originally, a lot of stories were revolved around Happy Hogan being his chauffeur slash bodyguard but iron man being a pseudo bodyguard that tony stark had just made up and happy was like (laughs) i hate that guy he always shows up and does my job for me and you're like dude uh, that's tony you know like but he doesn't know um so same thing at this point people still didn't know that uh tony stark was iron man so it was easy for jim rhodes to kind of impersonate him or do his duty for
0: him that's cool i do see in the comments here our our uh, listeners are choosing which other listener would be the best drunken Iron Man. So, <laughs> yeah, make sure
1: to throw that in your in the comments. I'm gonna vote for Kelly Jade. <laughs> I've seen her pound some <laughs> away, and she's she still functions. I'm just uh, like that's that, pretty amazing. <laughs> that's awesome, man.
0: But now definitely a big you know, like you said leading you know from that story into the creation eventually mm-hmm. you know of war machine definitely it's a major plot point for him so very cool that they also put that in the movie
1: absolutely and iron man 3 tipping its cap to the iron patriot Mm -hmm. was a a 2013 storyline yeah so again jumping way ahead in the comics uh but in the films really condensing down all this history but feeding us to us in a way that is fun and exciting and enjoyable and it feels like something's new and fresh all the time so they're really doing a great job of keeping the parallels from the original history of the comics they're hitting all the milestones the landmarks of what made the characters great to me
0: absolutely man you know just just good stuff you know i think they've done a great like you said they're you know when they make these films we know marvel's on a roll so Mm -hmm. now they could probably slow down a little bit with the storytelling if they really wanted to but at the same time you know five iron man movies might not be the best plan they want to try to like you said condense it down streamline it but not you know, go off the beaten path. So they, right. they've done a good job with that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because a, a lot of times you see comic book movies kind of writing their own original story. Um, a lot of the X-Men movies did that. They wrote a story that wasn't based on anything out of the comics. And those are usually the ones that are notoriously bad, you know. Yeah. But all the ones where they adapted a story from the books, really good. So... You know, it's not difficult to put two and two together there and realize like what worked in the comics is gonna work on screen. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, absolutely. I mean it's classic for a reason and like you can see now, X Men are following suit with that. You know, with Days of Future Past, Apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, uh, the Phoenix. Hopefully, done right this time.
1: <laughs> well, even X Men Two was was heavily based off of yes a uh, yes. a storyline in the comics, and that by far to me is like the one of the best X Men movies, if not the best one. Even with all the others that came after.
0: Absolutely, man, yeah. and I agree. X, you know. Um, x2 was very cool it looks like mr fusion in here is trying to challenge that he thinks he would make the best drunken iron man
1: I, I think we should keep mr fusion as far away from i, I think mr kind of... fusion would be like the best hulk because he just <laughs> seems to break stuff that doesn't have anything to do with the battle or what's going on he's just breaking random things
0: he definitely left quite a mess here in the studio last week yeah. after now <laughs> all right i think
1: we're just about going to wrap up your history lesson Uh, So that's kind of the history of Iron Man in comics. I hope any fans of the film or the character on film uh, can see a lot of the parallels and maybe learn a little something fun and exciting about Iron Man himself. Um, But to this day, Iron Man continues to be a super popular character in the comics. Again, here we see a new suit that he has uh, for 2018 rocking out some fun stuff. So I can't wait to see where the comic book character goes from here with a lot of uh, the nuances that they have nowadays where he's like training a young protege and he's been the director of shield for a while. And he's done all these different things um, and all these facets of stuff. And it just keeps getting cooler and cooler and more and more mythos. So oh, you I, I'm know excited it, to see where it goes.
0: They have been doing, you know, like we said, they've been doing a great job. I see KDD saying that she loves the comedy that they add into these movies. Yeah. And I know we've said it time and time again, that, they're comic book movies, so you got to have <laughs> some of that comedy in there. Yeah, but- comic
1: is in the first word. This guy should be a little funny. <laughs>
0: but absolutely, man. Like, Iron Man's a great character, and I know we got a lot more to talk
1: about him tonight. But what are we digging into now? Absolutely, man. Well, since that wraps up your history lesson, we figured we'd give you guys a quick break by jumping into some podunk news, refreshing your minds, relaxing your little brains a little bit, and finding out some cool stuff going on in the wacky world around you. <music>
0: Podunk News. All right, man. Well, we got some real crazy news stories coming at you guys. You know, Podunk News is your best place to get all the wacky things that are going on out there in this Podunk world. So let's kick it off, man. We got some stuff coming from, you know, the the capital of the Avengers Tower, you know, at least. Or even I think even the new
1: Avengers facility and up there in good old New York. Oh, you know what? Why don't you tell everyone real quick about how they can get a hold of... Their own copy of Thor Ragnarok on Blu ray.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. We don't want to leave this out, guys. You know, we started this promotion last week, but it's still going strong for the next few weeks. But you definitely don't want to wait. You want to get this out there. If you guys go over to our YouTube channel where you can find all the past episodes of The Power Hour of Love and um, also some of our awesome playthrough and reviews where we go over some video games and do some reviews. If you guys go there and you subscribe to our YouTube channel, you guys will then be entered uh, into uh, the possibility to win a copy of the uh, Thor Ragnarok uh, Blu-ray when it is released on, what is it, March 6th? March
1: okay. 5th. Well, well, Oh, it's released March 6th, yeah. We're going to do our drawing for it on March 5th so that March 6th we can mail it right out to whoever the lucky winner is. But, yes, I'm sorry. It is March
0: 6th. Absolutely, man. And like we said, it, it, you know, all you guys do, do is go out there to YouTube, you know, search Power Hour of Love, hit that subscribe button, man, and, you know, then you do, you guys will be entered to win, you know, and, and it, it's going to be great, man. You know, it, it's it, we're trying to do all these new things and, and contests and stuff. We hope yeah. you guys are loving it. Let us know what you think in the comments, man, but definitely. You, know, you don't have to do it right now, but, you know, after the show, you know, definitely head on over to YouTube and give our uh, our
1: YouTube channel a uh, a subscribe. Absolutely. And if you're already subscribed, you're already in the raffle dude. so, you know, good luck to everybody who joins in. If you want some extra chances or win, share it to some family members or friends. You know, have them subscribe. All you got to do is subscribe, so you don't got to pay anything and you may get something for free. Doesn't sound like uh, any reason not to do it. And Party Man Will, yes, I did have to adjust the camera. So <laughs> thank you for calling me out on it. <laughs>
0: Definitely. You know, we're, like we said, this is Jarvis here, you know, our version of Jarvis. Yeah, you know? <laughs> where
1: I just actually do everything. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I yes. can't ask the computer well, to.
0: I don't know if we, we shouldn't have left this out of the history lesson Jarvis was actually his butler in the original comics right absolutely yeah a human butler you know not the robotic tech that we know from there but anyhow <laughs> we'll be back to more Iron Man stuff in just a bit we got some crazy news and like I said what bear has started off in a wild story here man we can't I mean hey we can't go from one you know comic to another <laughs> man we got
1: to talk about one of the hottest movies to come out this weekend dude The Black Panther. I got my official Start Here comic book. It's a free preview. I got it over at... Big dog comics and Thunderdome gaming on the corner of Fort Pierce, Midway one up uh, US one, man. Go see Captain Joel. Tell him you want a preview of the Black Panther for free. Tell him the power hour I love sent you, he'll probably get mad because I think you're actually supposed to pay for him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. But yeah, I got I got the book. I was jazzed to go see the movie. I know I went and checked it out this weekend. Did you get a chance to check it out, Senior Boy?
0: I did. I did. I know we're gonna dig into it a little bit, but don't worry, guys. If you haven't seen it, don't run from the video. We're not gonna give any spoilers. We're just gonna give a quick like Opinion on what we thought of the film. So, since you say that you saw it, what'd you
1: think, man? Absolutely. I thought it was good. Yeah. <laughs> if, if we're going spoiler free, I, I don't think there's much more I can say about it than that. Other than, like, yeah, it was stunning visually. Yes. Like, it looked like a 4K movie. I do think, just being me, I think some of the CGI probably was a little overdone. Like, there, there may have been a bit too much for my taste in some portions of it, but everything that was just a grounded real shot. I mean, it's the first time I've ever been to a theater and been like, this looks like it's in 4K. Like, everything (laughs) looks so crystal clear and vivid all the time that it was beautiful. You know, uh, the action scenes were a lot of fun, pretty great. Um, Story was decent. You know, I don't think it was mind-blowing in any sense, but, you know, the story was solid. It was very good. So I would definitely be like, yeah, go check it out. I'm pretty sure everyone has, considering it just had one of, like, the top five biggest openings of all time <laughs> it, it definitely had
0: a lot of lead up i know the um a lot of the internet sites which we don't really pay a lot of attention to you know we yeah. like to be our own critics and stuff like that but i mean it was getting blown up i know on like rotten tomatoes it had a hundred percent for mm-hmm. a good couple days before it opened and it, i think right now i think it's at like a 97 which is awesome by their ratings i think on imdb it's at like a 7.9 you know, that's always fluctuating as more and more people see it i did also get a chance to see it i did really enjoy it I thought the story was good. I really liked the villain. Yeah. Like, There's one thing about these Marvel movies is like sometimes the villains are a little hit or miss. They're never bad, but they're like sometimes you're just like, man, I wish like they got a little more screen time. Well, I think with this particular villain, I think they did a great job really kind of telling you where he was at and like what his motivations were. And I mean, I, while some stuff might be debatable, you know, it was still I thought very well played. Yeah. I will say that you know while I was seeing the the movie this is no this is no judge on the movie this was the theater that I went to go see it and I was sitting there and uh, apparently there was something wrong with one of the AC units and one of the other theaters, so they were rerouting wow. some of the AC. Okay. Well, while I, while I was there watching Black Panther, I felt like I was getting the 4D experience because I felt like I was in freaking Africa, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. It was, this it was just it was, hot as balls. It, it was very hot as balls. Like, <laughs> I went out and I, and I asked a nice young lady at guest services if she could do anything, and she promptly told me that, yes, they were working on it, and then we would have air. And within, like, five, ten minutes, you could feel it, like when the, when the air cool. kicked back on. So I was like, "Ah, oh, yeah." And I think that was like one of the like the inside scenes. So it kind of went like right along with the movie's Dness, <laughs> like when they're outside in the bright sun,
1: hot as hell. Inside, well, nice and cool. I, I have to say, one of my favorite uh, things about it was that they had Martin Freeman, yes, and Andy Serkis. You know, Andy's Andy oh, Serkis yeah. does all sorts of stuff. Played Gollum in the Lord of the Rings, stuff like that. Martin Freeman played Bilbo in uh, the Hobbit. Yes. So they're yes. kind of your Tolkien white guys in the movie. <laughs> <You know?
0: laughs> Absolutely, man. You know,
1: definitely it, it, it's a very
0: interesting film. Yeah. It, it's it's got, really
1: yeah. well done. It's really well put together. I have to say, to me, I see Justin Jordan kind of called it out in the comments, so I want to go right to it. He's like, Black Panther has armor, you know, and in a lot of ways, this character feels like a mix of Iron Man and Thor put together. Yeah. because he's a bit of that outsider like Thor is, living on a place that doesn't really interact with the rest of the world, but he's very much in his suit and protected like Iron Man. You yes. know? Um, so that means he has to cover a lot of different bases without telling the same story as either of those two movies. And I think that was very challenging, and I would have liked to see it connect more to the Marvel Universe. I think that's kind of my biggest thing that I'm, I was kind of let down on it, was I felt like it was so standalone. That, And then it was short, but trying to have characteristics of both those movies, trying to show you what it was like to be a king of Wakanda, but also be a guy in a suit who has to do that. And it seemed like it struggled to tell me both stories at the same time.
0: Absolutely, man. Well, definitely you guys go out there, check it out. Come back, tell us what you guys thought. You know, Like I said, we wanted to keep this very brief because we don't want anybody to tag us with some (laughs) spoilerific stuff. So uh, I think we're going to move right along to our next news story. Absolutely. All right. Well, this is the one I've been waiting to kind of shell out here, man. Like, you know, we we're talking about how, you know, up there in New York, you know, you got the Avengers Tower, you got the X-Mansion, you got, you know, the new Avengers facility. Well, this guy, you know, he was out there. He's a 49 a year old uh, firefighter and uh, him, him and his friends get together every uh, year to go on this big ski trip in New York. Mm. Well apparently during at some point during the trip he disappeared okay yes you know, so of course his friends and family were freaking out Well six days later he shows up in California. he just disappeared Okay. the guy has no idea I guess he goes to a local police station he's like I have no idea how I'm in California you know and <laughs> and, and, and yeah so now the the New York State Police are investigating what could possibly have gone on but you know Smoke a lot of weird every day <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely been a lot of online suggestions on how you know he ended up in one place sounds like
1: the, a breaking bad episode you
0: know? i mean it does i I think aliens has been one of like the <laughs> <laughs> aliens took but, a ride on one of
1: those uh wakanda ships
0: there you go there you go but uh absolutely we're, i'm gonna keep my eye on this guy and see if uh anything ever comes out on how he went pretty much across the, uh, the continent He looks there. pretty
1: suspicious, though, doesn't he? <laughs> he kind of looks like a heavy Andy Garcia. There you go. There
0: <laughs> you go. <laughs> so, yeah, moving on to our next story. Oh, man, I got the story here of the raging bull. An mm-hmm. uh, in Indiana, or I'm sorry, an Idaho <laughs> high school was put on lockdown after a bull escaped a local auction yard and started rampaging Pretty much across the campus. So it oh, was like man. knocking over garbage cans and eating the grass and you know, like, you know, kind of like pushing
1: on trees and stuff. <laughs> so
0: this thing was really
1: pissed off. Yeah, man, those um, things weigh thousands of pounds.
0: <laughs> absolutely. Well, the local police department was able to subdue the bull. And, um, you know, the whole matter only took about 15 minutes. But uh, definitely, you know, like I said, the whole uh, concept of raging bull was definitely uh, in effect it's here. It's too
1: bad they didn't have someone in, like, a super-powered suit that could just pull giant wild animals to the ground. There you go. That, that's <laughs> that exactly what they
0: needed. They needed something <laughs> to get control of it. Well, Okay, we can't, I don't want to get I almost I <laughs> almost threw out a spoiler here for for the movie. But um, absolutely, like I said, the bull was uh, subdued. So, Definitely just a little interesting story I wanted to throw out there. But This one's pretty funny here. I think you guys will dig it. Okay, what do we got going on with the Pizza Pizza? The Pizza Stalker in Germany is still at large. Okay. (laughs) A local lawyer uh, has received over 100 pizzas
1: from an anonymous person over the (laughs) last month. That sounds awesome. Someone can send me a hundred anonymous
0: pizzas. I had a feeling when I was pulling up this story that I thought you'd be like, "Hey, I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll take that right here," you know? Yeah, seriously. But, but uh, apparently, like these pizza delivery, you know, you like on your phone, you get like a notice if you do use like an online service to get your mm-hmm. pizza. Like, I guess sometimes they start as early as when the guy's, like, in the shower. <laughs> so at, like, you know, 7 in the – I mean, I don't even – most pizza places I don't think are open that early, but yeah. it's probably in the online system. But, yeah, so yeah, he'll be in the shower and his phone will go off saying he's going to get a pizza delivery <laughs> late. <laughs> <laughs> well, the lawyer went to the, you know, police department and he was trying to, you know, press some charges, but they're like – well, if there's no suspect, like... Well, what's the crime? Uh, <laughs> like harassment? Yeah, harassment. You're harassing yeah. me by giving me free stuff?
1: <laughs> but feel free to harass me. I,
0: I, I figured, like I said, you would be in on that one, man. Because but, uh, I
1: understand being like, oh, man, I don't want pizza right now. Yeah. <laughs> Throw it away or whatever. But then you'll get another one later? That sounds great.
0: You're like, yeah. Might be, you know. Well, get this. You, you want to see This anonymous person is so uh, giving that they've also... Mixed it up a little bit. Sometimes okay. he receives uh, sushi, yeah, uh, sausages,
1: and Greek food. Oh, so. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, I'm see. Look, we're being complete dummies about this. Eric G just put in the comments: the dude has to pay cash when it gets delivered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I so think. he's not just getting free pizza, which would be kick ass. He's getting a problem. So okay, but again, shouldn't that pizza place be charging filing charges on this guy's? bunk i mean he's not paying for him is he? no 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 it's
0: definitely showing up at his office and stuff and yeah you know, i'm sure like the ladies up front weird. are probably like did you uh order this i mean by now i'm sure they're probably like not for us <laughs> i would think that the pizza place if they get an order from him
1: yeah they would just ban that or like, never deliver pizza or they, to that address
0: they call them and say hey is this legit but apparently this is still going on yeah. the guys tried to get some police help but they're like well unless you have a suspect you know yeah. there's nothing really we can do about it yeah. so the Pizza stalker still at Lodge. <laughs> oh, man, I'm sure you guys recognize this guy. Who's that up there, El Bandito? Oh, man, he's, he's the legendary George Carlin, man. Rest you in peace. You know it, man. And if you see right next to him, there's this BMW with a license plate that says, funny. Well, <laughs> that car was the last car owned by George Carlin. Mm-hmm. And just so you guys know, it's been put up for auction.
1: So you can own George Carlin's car?
0: Yes, the last the Carlin, car, yeah. the Carlin. There you go. The car that Carlin was well, I, he was he wasn't driving this when he passed away, but the last car that he owned, you know, you can now purchase it. The uh, pretty cool. the 1996 BMW uh, ha, ha, still has under uh, eighty thousand miles. Hey, that's pretty good. Um, the caretaker of it said that eleven thousand miles were put on by Carlin himself. Yeah, you know, while he owned it. Um, it's never been in an accident and it's been in the care of his daughter since Carlin's death in, uh, 2008. So I I guess she's only used it a handful of times. So yeah, I, I, we're not sure if the funny license plate comes with the car or not. But yeah, it, looks, it would be funny. It would be funny, <laughs> you know. So it has a little light cycle. Yeah, yeah, I mean so Carlin definitely rode, rode around in a little bit of style, you know. <laughs> but hey, at the same time though, he was a little thrifty, you know, Carlin. Well wonder what are they and,
1: asking for the car?
0: Uh it, it's it's uh not currently like you know, you know, pretty much like they're making people like put out offers. Oh, okay, but, yeah. you gotta bid on it. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, it's you. an auction, so
1: Okay. <laughs> well, still very fun, man. seems, seems like A worthwhile investment for a collector who's got a ton of money. I'm sure Jay Leno will buy it or something. Oh, absolutely, man. I just like
0: to look on Carlin right up there. He's like, who's going to pay for my car? (laughs) Did you buy a
1: car because George Carlin used to own it?
0: (laughs) Oh, here we go. We got a lot of people. We got Eric G saying, apparently he loves sports cars. (laughs) I remember
1: he used to have a joke about it, what cars said about the person and stuff. So. Well, that'll about wrap it up for some news for right now. What do you say we jump into some more Iron Man mythos? Let's do it. All right, let's check it out.
0: Oh, man. Well, you know, like we were saying, you know, earlier on, you know, we gave you guys that little bit of a history lesson. You know, we talked a lot about the comics and the, and, and how they affected the movies and stuff. But, you know, I think now it's like, we have to talk about like some of the, you know, probably the most important comics in the full Iron
1: Man mythology. What do you think about that, El Bandito? Absolutely. I think that's a super great idea because some of these iconic stories are the things that made like lifelong fans of the character. You oh, know? yeah. Um, everyone, you know, reads comics and you enjoy it and you love it. But there's only a handful of storylines that just stick with you. You know, and you remember forever because they come out every month. You know, you read a couple hundred of them after a character and they're not all winners. Some of them are a little ho-hum, but sometimes they hit you with these amazing stories. I mean, Tales of Suspense 39 was obviously a story that just, bam, punched right through that anthology barrier into being like, this is an amazing book. An amazing character and a really innovative origin and idea. You know it, man. Like
0: you said, the first has always gotta get mentioned. I know we talked about it earlier with the uh you know, the 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 history lesson and stuff and that classic cover with Iron Man on there and all his iron glory. <laughs> um you know, I know later on like a character called the Iron Monger yeah. looked a lot like that, like in a real mm-hmm. silvery kind of look. So And that's that, who
1: that's who ends up in the two thousand eight film, right? Correct yeah, that correct. Obadiah Stane is portraying.
0: And definitely, you know. So, like we said, I know we talked about this earlier, where a lot of the classic mythos and origins came from. Definitely, gonna throw a shout out for Tales of Suspense number thirty-nine. But what do we got next, all bandito?
1: Let's check it out.
0: Oh, we got Doom Quest. Oh man, I'm gonna tell you guys a little bit about Doom Quest, and and there's some real cool stuff on how why this makes this a very iconic story. This was uh, this story was originally published in Iron Man. number 149 through 150 and the story revolves around Iron Man and Doctor Doom being transported back to the age of King Arthur. Whoa, that's pretty wild. So you could just imagine it, you know, back in those times, you know, you see a guy like Doctor Doom and Iron Man, they think like, look at these knights and they're like badass armor and stuff. So it was really cool that not immediately they, and I'm sure like Iron Man was probably like, well, I guess I can't just go blasting them. You know, (laughs) because he's like, you know, these people are going to be like, what the heck? I mean, they could have said he was a wizard or something, but it just, it had a Really cool wraparound and taking these modern modern age uh, Mm -hmm. comic characters and bringing them back to the medieval times. So where this story really gets a lot of its um, uh, credibility, I guess. I mean, of course, it's a it's a cool story and concept, but. Uh, years later they went on to create the uh, marvel uh 1609 it was like 1600, 1604 yeah 1604 story yeah and neil it, gaiman wrote that yeah and it's you know it's all about like people from the marvel universe actually kind of developing back in those times mm-hmm. well you know neil gaiman as you were just saying i guess read this doom quest and that's kind of where that idea popped into his mind and said you know what rather than them going back in time i'd rather go and uh and pretty much just make it so that all the characters were pretty much developing in that time. So, you know, uh, uh, Dr. Doom is like an evil baron of like this land versus like, you know, being the ruler of a whole country. And, yeah. you know, uh, Tony Stark isn't like, you know, he doesn't have all his scientific, you know, it's, his suit probably is more like classic knight armor. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I just looked it up. It's 1602. Uh, 1602. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, yeah. So I was a little off on that. I was like, uh, I know I have that book. Um actually, I lent it to a friend of mine, so <laughs>
0: very cool, man. Well, like you said, you know it's just it 's a classic yeah. because it inspired many other stories that dealt yeah. with like not so much all just the time travel but as you guys could probably figure out. Iron Man and Doctor Doom did find their way back to... Uh... Some, some
1: interesting stuff, though. Is a lot of people know Doctor Doom from sort of the modern Fantastic Four films, which are really a bad portrayal of the original character. You yes. know, Doctor Doom originally wore that armor because he was mangled in an experiment and stuff that he did. Um, so that's why he, he, he built it and wore it. And he did have lasers and stuff in that suit, but it was mostly to kind of conceal his body and make him look badass, right? But also what really super gets left out of the movies all the time is that he is like a wizard, like for real. Like he's like Doctor Strange. He learned magic and stuff. And when they realized he was evil, they're like, dude, get out of here. We don't know you can't train (laughs) with us anymore. But his mom was like some weird gypsy witch or something and passed down a lot of that knowledge. So yeah, he definitely controls mysticism. And that was always something that sort of contrasted with Iron Man very well, because he's the science. And then you have people with the mysticism or the magics or the dark arts, you know? And to me, that's always one of those tales that, uh, you know, those genre tales of, like, science fiction versus science fantasy or fantasy in general. Like, who would really win? So I love that aspect of that. I love that aspect of this story. I also think it's great that they just wholeheartedly went with the knights in shining armor thing. Yes. Because yeah. a, a lot of people, and I think Marvel ultimately always denies this, but a lot of people are like, so... DC has Batman, the Dark Knight, who is a billionaire. <laughs> da, da, da. And then you have Iron Man, who looks like a knight. He's yeah. a guy who literally <laughs> wears armor. And he's a billionaire and stuff like that. Yeah. So there's there's always been a lot of parallels there between the two characters. And I like that this this just went for it. You know?
0: <laughs> Absolutely, man. That, like I said, classic book. Yeah. Came out in like the early 80s. Definitely go check it out. I'm sure you get it in graphic novel yeah. form nowadays. And
1: if you haven't checked out 1602, His suit is actually made of wood. Oh, okay. Iron Man's suit is made of wood, and he has like an acidic compound that's similar to what we would put in a battery today. Um, But I think he like has to get it struck by lightning or something. For it's like really cool. It's really a (laughs) cool book. You guys should check it out.
0: So what's next, man? What we got here? Oh Oh, man. Well, we mentioned this a little earlier with the whole story with Rhodey and stuff like that, you know. But man. Demon in a Bottle from 1979. This is from, uh, now. you guys got to um, imagine like Marvel, just like DC, have been around for a long time. So sometimes they do with these things like they call volumes. So they'll end volume one and then start volume two. So this story here is from Iron Man volume two, and it was uh, 120 to 129, this full on story. Yeah. So this definitely is like one of the first times with Tony's dive into alcoholism. Um, definitely one of the most referenced uh, Iron Man storylines throughout yeah. his career. Like you said, in yeah. Iron Man too. Yeah,
1: something that persisted with the character, this sort of battle with alcoholism. And yeah, their volume 2 consisted of the original run of the Invincible Iron Man, yes. where volume 1 are the issues and tales of suspense. So that 118 that we mentioned where Rhodey shows up is two issues before this story arc starts where he's actually battling the kind of demon in a bottle. It's him coming to grips with his alcoholism and realizing he's either going to do something about it or he's going to become a villain.
0: Absolutely, man. And that's why we're just we're throwing a lot of numbers out there and stuff. We just (laughs) want to make sure you guys are following along like when we're saying, oh, this is number 50. This is number (laughs) so-and-so. Absolutely. But very... um, very uh, important Iron Man story. Absolutely,
1: Pro- probably one of the most important because it defines his character in a way that few other traits about him do. So I-, I really uh, would herald this one as one of the best stories for Iron Man. Um, but that's not to discount Tales of Suspense number fifty. That's right, we're going way back to only what is that? That's that's only
0: that's eleven issue or yeah. since his, that was a ele- the eleventh issue since his debut. Yeah. And um, the reason that this uh, uh, th- this comic's earned a spot on their list is is because it was the first appearance of the Mandarin. Absolutely. Now, man. if you guys, if your only experience with the Mandarin is Iron Man 3, you got to go and, and pick up some some graphic novels and comics <laughs> because he has definitely been one of the most villainous characters yes. to Iron Man in the comics. You know, his, his organization's called the Nine Rings. That's because he actually has nine rings that have different powers that he can use to fight Iron Man.
1: Yeah, again, mystical abilities and stuff like that. Some of them are like, oh, they're from space rocks and stuff like that, but he sells them to his people as mysticism and that he's sort of a, a wizard in his own right. So again, it plays right into that science versus fantasy, but in the sense that the Mandarin is trying to turn science into fantasy. Exactly. Which is what I think makes him such, such a great arch nemesis of Iron Man.
0: Plus, he was also one of the first characters to be able to summon Feng Fang Foom out of his like restful slumber. So, if you guys have never heard of Feng Fang Foom, go look him up too. Big <laughs> giant dragon. I'll be honest, like when I first saw the Avengers trailer yeah. and that big dragon thing was, I was like, oh my god, they're bringing in Feng <laughs> Fang Foom. But now it was just one of those like centuri dragon robots or whatever. yeah, but yeah, one of
1: their like battleship things or something. Either way, awesome
0: character. Yes. Um, definitely iconic. Very- very mm-hmm. much underplayed in the movies, mm-hmm. but if you guys have ever seen any of the mini-episodes, there might be that the Mandarin, the actual Mandarin, yeah. may eventually show up in the movies, too. We'll just have to see.
1: Yeah, and Ben Kingsley was a great choice to play oh, yeah. him. yeah. yeah, the, yeah. The, the kind of direction they took in the movie versus the extras they put on like the DVD and Blu-ray that kind of alluded to the fact that the Mandarin was more than meets the eye, uh, really left it open to do something great, so we'll see if something comes of that, and we really get a really great Mandarin story. But moving on from that, we've got Iron Man Extremis. Oh man, you know it, it's funny cause, you know we keep we
0: I know we t- always tie it a lot back to you know what um, comics have really influenced the movies, but. I have to say, as I was doing some research on this one, El Bandito Band, this one did a lot of influencing. Absolutely. On the movie. I know with the history lesson, as you were saying some stuff, I'm like, well, maybe that's not the, f- maybe some of these aren't the first time they were brought up into the comics, but it definitely um, re-, re-, re brought them back. Yeah, you know, reinforced, kind of reinforced some, some
1: classic yeah. points of, uh, of, the iron man mythos
0: yeah the story behind this is that uh after being wounded iron man uses a serum to heal himself which also gives him some mental control over his uh various suits which if you guys have ever seen iron man 3 there's definitely some Mm -hmm. aspects of that in there but rolling back all the way back to iron man 1 the whole uh tony stark being an arms dealer and having his this this involvement in weaponry and stuff and just certain aspects of the origin that are explored in this comic are are reused in the movie and also the design of the original iron man suit from iron man not the the silver one but the the red and, and and uh gold one that is you know taken right from the pages this if you guys look at it He looks like he just came right off of the movie. So Mm -hmm. definitely that's where it influenced the first movie. The second movie was influenced by the suitcase suit, you know, that definitely has that in the book as well. And then the third movie deals heavily with extremists, you know, as Mm -hmm. a as a as a plot
1: point. So definitely this book, I would say if we're talking about the movies,
0: This book is very influential.
1: Yeah, yeah. Pretty much the whole third movie revolves around the story out of this book. And also uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of branches off of the extremist story and really rides its coattails for its first story arc.
0: You know it, man. But
1: this this next
0: story we're going to talk about, man, definitely also plays a big part in part of the movies. This is... The Mask in the Iron Man. This story came out in two thousand and one. It was Iron Man Volume three, number twenty six. In this um in, in this story, Tony's armor becomes sentient. So mm-hmm. at first it's helpful, you know, it's like, oh, he's in a pair of, he's in an armor and then his suit yep. can kind of just control itself and do another thing, you know, but eventually Tony must battle, yeah. you know, and destroy the suit, you know, it's the yeah. typical ter- kind of Terminator level. Uh...
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like the suit thinks it knows better than Tony and, and if it needs to protect him, it needs to confine him yes. and, and things like that. So it's definitely a pretty awesome story. It goes right in line with what our last story is, the five nightmares and these are the five nightmare scenarios that Tony Stark thinks of. One, of course, is the the sentientness of his AI, of it actually yes. coming to life and then being something he has to contend with. Another one is people stealing his Iron Man technology oh, and yeah. using it for evil. Another thing that we see in the second movie, where Justin Hammer is trying to steal his technology, you know, um, diff- different things like that. We won't spoil the whole book for you, but definitely one to check out, and definitely something that plays a lot into. The films, uh, again, like you said, in the third film, I think the one shot that's almost taken right from the comics you mentioned and put in the movie is where the suit comes to his bed <laughs> yeah. while he's asleep and he's having a nightmare and it yeah. wakes the suit up. Yeah. Th- that is a shot that's actually in. It's either in the one that you mentioned or the five nightmares. Yes. Yes. I know I read both of them like back to back, so I don't remember which one it's from. But in one of them, it's literally like that. Like The suit wakes him up in bed. And I was like, wow, that is pulled from the pages, man. So excellent story work there when you know someone wants to take it and put it on screen for other people.
0: And, you know, it's funny, man, like just kind of talking about the history of Iron Man and like all these things from the comics. Like, I mean, I always say that, you know, Iron Man 2 is probably one of my least favorite Marvel films. Mm -hmm. But like the fact that they pulled so much stuff from the comics, I think kind of even just in this night has made it more it's gained more credibility to me that, that the, you know, that they, that what they were trying to do yeah. there,
1: you know? So that's pretty cool. Absolutely guys. So there you go. Those are some of the best comic stories that we could find that we remember from the annals of the Iron Man. If you know a story that we missed out, make sure to throw it in the comments and stuff like that. Cause maybe we haven't read it yet. Maybe we'd love oh, to yeah. check it out, you know? So spread some love, spread these stories, run to your local, comic book brick and mortar store you can grab on amazon if you want you know get the graphic novel i totally understand (laughs) most of these i bought in graphic novels but we'd love to see the brick and mortar stores stay alive so support them when you can as well i'm not saying go buy a tales of suspense number 50 (laughs) we know a guy who would but yes. you don't have to just get the graphic novel, read a reprint or something, you know, because these stories are classic. They're iconic and they still work today because we see them in these films.
0: Absolutely, man. So cool. So so many great stories. Like you said, definitely check them out
1: and uh, give some love for Iron Man. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, that was just a short little segment to get you guys kind of more into the Iron Man mood and just craving more. But you know what? What's up? Let's jump into some podunk news. Let's do it. <laughs> O-Dunk
0: news. all right man you know that first section of podunk news you know we talked about a lot of movies we talked a lot about a, a lot of crazy stories now we're going to give you a little dose of uh some video game stuff that might be heading your way Oh wait a minute! What was I thinking? I can't <laughs> forget about this, man. Okay, so we got a little more movie stuff coming your way, but we know you, if you guys are in the uh, you know in, in here checking this out, and you don't know what film. This is tell them what it is, all bandito.
1: This is the army of this is Ash versus the army of darkness. <laughs> yes, the
0: official title, you know, but absolutely army of darkness, yeah. nineteen ninety three. But even better. You guys can, you know, tell everybody this tomorrow that you're watching the power hour and you got this piece of knowledge. Tonight, you know, as we're celebrating this awesome night with you guys, chilling with the power hour, talking about Iron Man, it is the twenty fifth anniversary of the release of Army of Darkness. Yep, that's right. February nineteenth. Absolutely man it was the first night you know people got
1: to go see Ash get sucked into <laughs> the Age of King Arthur absolutely and wow. go battle with the demons and knights of old and <laughs> Use magic and all sorts of very similar things to what uh, Doom Quest had. In it. Pretty much, hey, that's a pretty interesting parallel,
0: man. <laughs> this was totally meant to be, but yep. yeah. Oh, I see uh, Katie D in here saying she's a Deadite. She knows what it's all about. <laughs> we also know that the upcoming uh, uh, Ash versus Evil Dead new season starting next week. So definitely go out there. You know, tonight's a great night after the Power Hour to go and uh, check out Army of Darkness.
1: You know, and I see KDD's also like, hey, you guys need to cover Hawkeye next, man. He's he's awesome. Oh, well, man. I'm going to tell you what. I'm I'm, I'm going to give you some spoilers right now. Oh, In our yeah. final segment, we are going to talk about Hawkeye a little bit. So oh. stick around for that. It's going to be fun.
0: There you go. There you go. But here, let's, let's keep rolling
1: with this news here, right. man. Uh-oh. We got some war dramas. What's going on here?
0: Oh, 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 man. This is the big news, man. Or at least what I've read so far, man. It appears that Call of Duty franchise will be making its way to the big screen
1: sometime in the next few years. Man, you know their stories are always these, you know, epics and stuff in their single player. I've never played through any of them. I couldn't tell you <laughs> one story in any of those games. I think I played, you just play the multiplayer thing. That's I it. think I
0: played through Black Ops. You know, and I oh, really that's enjoy-
1: true. I yeah. did play through Black Ops. Sorry, right, yep. Black Ops was bad. <laughs>
0: Well, apparently, they're looking to start their own cinematic universe based
1: on the Call of Duty series. Is Universal doing it? It sounds like something Universal would do, like their monster movie (laughs) bullshit. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah,
0: (laughs) that monster movie thing is down the toilet. But yeah, absolutely. Or like Sony.
1: I don't know who's attached to it yet. I just Sony can't seem to get a universe together to save their (laughs) lives, can
0: they? (laughs) But this is supposedly the big. Video game news is that eventually you're going to see Call of Duty on big screen. Now, I take it that when they say that the franchise is coming, they're talking about the characters and stuff. Because yeah. almost any, like, war movie or something, you can almost kind of attribute to, like, oh, this is almost like a Call of Duty game. You yeah, know? But yeah. Like, yeah, I know there's certain individuals in the game that they're probably going to have represented on the big screen. So, definitely, we'll have to see where it goes. Yeah, sounds
1: interesting to <laughs> so say the
0: least well just another thing that we thought sounded pretty interesting is you know last week we got our big valentine's day show we hope you guys had a lot of blast you know, if you had fun on valentine's day throw it up in the comments but we're going to tell you man the mmo world out there was rocking with valentine's day where they all had these cool things going on to uh celebrate the uh, the loving holiday <laughs> so over there DC online I know you've played a little bit of this yeah. one, Al bandito they had some love based feats for the healer characters <laughs> and nice. um, some missions that revolved around probably who knows maybe you're like Carly made you go get the Joker or something yeah. <laughs> like that but there was some storylines that were specific for the time frame of Valentine's Day so That's that was cool. cool over on Pokemon go the love this creature. If you were to catch them, uh, you could sell them back to the trainer for three times the Stardust, which mm. is used in the game to advance your Pokemon, so... I, I know a lot of people are probably running around, literally, you know, and, and, and trying to collect that one. Over there, You know, MMO Classic, World of Warcraft, new weapons, accessories, and mounts were available, all themed in Valentine's Day. Nice. And our personal favorite, Friday the 13th. Over the weekend, it was a double XP showdown.
1: Nice, man. Did you get, like, triple XP if you did that move where Jason rips your heart out? You know... <laughs> that man
0: see we we really we definitely need to hook up with uh ilphonic, you know, ilphonic. Where, where, and, where you <laughs> at how did you drop the ball on that one bro that that's that's pretty <laughs> awesome i think i did go up like three or four levels really? just playing like the offline bots yeah so it's like not that i'm antisocial or anything but it was kind of fun just getting to play as jason and wreck house and <laughs> gain, gain some extra xp you know so uh just that was pretty cool so what else we got on here el bandito Oh, man, you know, now it's time for us to tell you about an awesome event that's coming up this weekend, man. So Saturday, February 24th, we have Comic-Con Revolution taking place in West Palm Beach, Florida, just a little bit down the road from Nice. Us. Yeah, not too far away at all. It is a one-day-only event. Uh, tickets for an adult are $25. Okay. Uh, for, ch- uh, for teenagers, uh, it's $15. $15. Uh, any children under the age of 12 are completely free. Nice. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, the time's from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Okay. And guests include legendary X-Men writer Chris Claremont. Whoa, nice. And Ming Cheng from AMC's Comic Book Men. Nice. You know okay. that one. That's, yeah, that's yeah. Kevin, Kevin Smith's, Smith's show. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, those get, you know they'll be down there. You know, Ming will be hanging out and uh,
1: Chris Claremont, a bunch of
0: other guests. Yeah. I know there's a Chris bunch of- Chris
1: Claremont wrote- the x-men story for like 30 years continuously this guy's like unbelievable he's like a legend in comics
0: absolutely man you know so if you guys got some comics you know from like the 80s and stuff like that like yeah. the dark phoenix trilogy or uh, series and so forth bring them on down or just go down there and talk to good old chris man or you know you talk to ming chang be like hey how's it working for kevin smith and that <laughs> walt flanagan guy <laughs> <laughs>
1: but absolutely i hope you guys get down there and hang out at comic-con revolution sounds sounds like a blast man we'll have to see if we can get down there and check it out but that's gonna about wrap it up for some more of our news there and uh, i know it's what you guys have probably been waiting for the whole time let's get into the mcu and let's find out what iron man has been doing on the on the silver screen what do you think about that let's do it man all right all right, so now we're getting into the
0: cinematic. You We've know, you talked about a bunch of the comic books. We've talked about the history. So what's going on here? All
1: right, well, we're going to combine two things together, hopefully save a little bit of time, and we are going to do our official rating structure for oh. Iron Man as an Avenger leading up to our Infinity War countdown, and we are going to try to judge and pick mm-hmm. who the Power Hour's favorite Avenger is.
0: All right, man, okay. let's get rolling. Who All right. are, Like yeah. I said,
1: we need your guys' help to help us vote on this towards the end of the segment. So hang around. You can vote on YouTube and stuff like that later. So check out the rest of the segment and keep in mind your votes for the end of the uh, the segment here. All right, so we're going to start off talking about powers and abilities. right? Okay. How do you feel about Iron Man's powers and abilities? Let's take a look first and foremost at the fact that without the Iron Man suit, he's a genius, a billionaire, a playboy, and a philanthropist. <laughs> Classically worded. Absolutely, man. That line comes from the 2012 Avengers movie when he's arguing with Captain America, telling him everything special about you came out of a bottle. You know? <laughs> and then he's like, Our, uh, Captain America says back to him, he's like, "Yeah, you know, take away your suit, water you?" Yeah, and that's what he says. That's like, kind of a kind of a good comeback, right <laughs> there
0: absolutely man they're definitely they're, his wit definitely is uh could be considered a power oh his
1: genius his yes. charisma and everything like that but more so than that let's talk about the suit man yeah. right? this <laughs> thing has got weapons galore it's got laser beams it's got rockets it's got missiles it's got all sorts of stuff all over it The man. ability to fly
0: you know, to yeah fly, yeah, yeah he can yeah. fly his
1: repulsors that are non-lethal which are really cool i think that's an aspect that is Obvious, but never directly stated on screen, where he can blast normal people with the repulsors and it doesn't kill them. You know, now obviously, when he's shooting missiles at tanks, you're like, whoever was driving that tank's probably like, yeah. Dead. <laughs> but for the most part, it is he has some ability to non lethally combat people, which is great. But also the fact that he's a ranged adversary is is really cool. He has a lot of sure. ranged weapons and stuff, and that he's always innovating. You know, and this laser here that he's using. Remember, he's trying to cut into that giant like flying creature thing in the last yes, Avengers yes, movie. Yes, yes, yes. And Jarvis tells him he's like, Sir, we will lose power before we ever penetrate that thing's armor. You know. Well. Uh, Even still, you got to imagine, this was the same thing that in Iron Man 2. You remember he used to chop a bunch of robots in half? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So a pretty beast mode weapon, man. You know it, man. Definitely. I mean, every time I've seen it on screen, I've been like, I don't want to get hit with that. (laughs) But I don't think anything comes close to what I think my favorite Iron Man scene like ever is. What's that? It's in the Avengers. It's when he first shows up. In Germany, when Loki is fighting Captain America. Okay. And he swoops down, and he blasts Loki, and he pulls out every freaking weapon that he has. <laughs> every little port opens, every little missile comes out, every everything, and he just tells him, your move, reindeer games. Yes, <laughs> so, yes, yes. And that it's like, awesome. dude, when you see the artillery this cat has, you know, I mean, yeah, War machines got the big gatling gun and stuff like that but if you ask me he's just he's just compensating
0: sure sure <laughs> sure now that's pretty cool man yeah you know, i really do need to go back and rewatch some of those earlier films man because yeah. yeah that is an awesome scene
1: so all in all what would you rate his power level at man you know being that like you said i mean it's
0: in the suit so you know it could be disabled there's the power thing yeah. if he takes too much damage i would probably
1: say i'd give his power rating a, a an eight an eight yeah all right, I would give his power rating like a freaking 12 because he's like insane-o-crazy, okay. but we we have to average it out together, and I think an 8 is right where we want to be at for that because, again, you're comparing him to people like Thor who is invincible without a suit. You know, sure. people like the Hulk who can level a building as, as invincible yeah. <laughs> without a suit, you know? So yeah, an eight I think would definitely put him right up there as far as being as formidable as he is, but still having two points taken away for the fact that he can be killed, he is mortal, and although in Iron Man 3 they show him being very formidable without his suit, sure, that's sure. still against people that aren't necessarily super-powered. You
0: know, that's very true. You know, that was kind of cool. Remember, you had like the little hand things on, yep. but he didn't have the rest. Um, oh, it looks like here in the, in the comments we got, KDD saying intelligence is a big deal, and she would have rated it at a 7. So just <laughs> yeah, thank you, KDD. You know, we appreciate you uh, sticking around and, and helping us uh, judge and see what's going on here. But definitely, yeah, I think an 8 is where we stand.
1: Absolutely. All right, so next up, his role in the Battle of New York. Now, obviously, this is the classic battle of new york in avengers so we've already just talked about a little bit of his firepower but what impact did he actually have on the battle itself i mean let's be honest
0: um without iron man there wouldn't be any new york so yeah i would have to
1: give him a 10 (laughs) no doubt man i mean first and foremost his maneuverability and agility kind of trumps everything else going on You know, I mean, he can chase around these guys. He brings them in from the ranged weapons and stuff like that. And he's just, he's really key in keeping the fight contained. He also gets Hawkeye where he needs to be, stuff like that. But your point, yeah. yeah. (laughs) They shot a nuclear missile at Manhattan, and he pushed it into the portal, into another part of space, and blew up the Chitauri army on the other side of a portal, saving everyone and everything in manhattan
0: absolutely man so
1: what's our final
0: verdict man i
1: i think oh i got yeah one more quick aspect here is the fact that he couldn't be seduced by the scepter yeah
0: that's because of his heart right yeah 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 so
1: that actually is very important had he been seduced by loki at this point had the mind stone that's inside the scepter like swayed him I'm pretty sure all would have had been lost. Oh,
0: absolutely, man. We Like we say, he has such a, a valuable role by the end of the movie, and all he asks for
1: in reward is some shawarma. <laughs> no doubt. But again, not only him being pivotal to winning, but what would he have been if he was an enemy at oh, the end of the yeah, movie?
0: yeah, kind of like how they did the Hawkeye and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah like no, factoring absolutely.
1: that into the equation, I'm absolutely rating this at a 10 his importance to that battle being one is a 10
0: (laughs) absolutely man i I
1: would i can't disagree with that one bit (laughs) all right so next up we've got assemble now this is really cool because this is factoring in what influence does iron man bring over other superheroes i.e what avengers does he bring to the table who does he assemble okay Well, definitely. So uh, we'll well, we'll run through a list. Oh, go for it. So first up, man, we got the Black Widow. Now, I know a lot of people would be like, well, Black Widow's kind of Captain America's girl, always hanging out with her. She she actually first appeared in Tales of Suspense number 52 alongside Iron Man as a villain um, and then later, you know, as a communist villain and later kind of becoming a double agent, working for S.H.I.E.L.D. and everything like that. So it was very fitting that her first appearance in film is in Iron Man 2, where she shows up as an ex-Russian spy and yada, yada, sure, yada. Sure, sure. So I would definitely put her in the category of Iron Man as bringing Black Widow to the table as far as Avengers go because they kind of got linked up together, you know? Absolutely, man. All right, moving on from there, believe it or not, Hawkeye came out in Tales of Suspense number 57.
0: Wow, that's pretty interesting. <laughs> I
1: didn't know that. So really, So even he has a really close tie to Iron Man. Absolutely, you know, so beyond that, he's a villain for him and all this stuff, and later gets recruited in the Avengers by Tony Stark, Um, but I will say this. In the MCU, he first appeared in Thor's movie in 2011. That's right. That's right. That was a really cool cameo when you look back at it. It was. It was super great. I love. I love this line too. That's why I grabbed the cap of it, where he's like, "You better call it Coulson," because I'm starting to root for this guy when Thor's beating up all the other Shield <laughs> agents. <laughs> it's
0: pretty cool, man. I think yeah. in the. I mean, not that we ever want these movies to end, but like if they ever did cap off, just being able to watch. From the beginning till now, you would mm-hmm. be like you would catch so many little things that they had in there. So, Absolutely.
1: Cool. And, yeah, so I, I don't know. I think I'd give this maybe a 50% or like half a point kind sure, of deal sure, sure. to saying that, yeah, he does kind of bring Hawkeye to the table and the fact that he wouldn't have been an Avenger in the first place um, in comics. But in films, I, I would give Thor half credit as well. So maybe when we cover him somewhere down the road. We'll, we'll we'll give him half a point for that.
0: <laughs> there you go, KDD. If you're still watching out there, you got you a little bit of Hawkeye uh, in there.
1: <laughs> All right, moving on from there, definitely War Machine. Oh, yeah. That's know? definitely
0: some major points right there. I mean, without yeah. Iron Man, there would be no War Machine. So
1: yep. Definitely. And it's his best friend. He fights with them. So he's got War Machine on his side, which I think is a super valuable asset, as we saw in Civil War. And kind of the ace in the hole for him, man, is bringing Spider-Man into the fold. I mean, Spider-Man's traditionally never been part of the Avengers in comics. Sure. Until the Civil War, when Tony Stark kind of brings him in. Yeah.
0: no. This was
1: very much paralleled in the film Civil War, Mm -hmm. where Iron Man brought him in.
0: No, absolutely, man. Like you said, when you're talking about the cinematic universe and stuff, which we're focusing on, um, yeah, definitely. I mean, he is... He brought him. He he found them and and said, "Hey, I want to yeah yeah come I'm, on underoos yeah <laughs> you know." So so that was that was definitely really cool and uh, like you said, definitely uh, explored more uh, with their interactions with Spider-Man: Homecoming. So definitely, yeah, very uh, very cool addition there.
1: Yeah, and he's definitely bringing Spider-Man to the table, and Spider-Man is a huge asset with his great disproportionate strength like he's crazy strong his abilities his speed his spider sense i mean this is a formidable avenger that he's bringing in oh yeah but moving on from there we kind of kind of got to give him uh you know credit well bitch and suit by the way i just wanted to mention that (laughs) it's in the trailer for infinity war
0: does look pretty awesome
1: but uh we got to give him credit for jarvis man Oh, absolutely. You, especially, know, like, yeah, no <laughs> you one... mentioned him earlier. I kind of knew I had this spot set up, so it was funny. But uh, Edwin Jarvis is portrayed in live action in the Agent Carter TV series, where okay. he's Howard Stark's butler. Oh, cool. And cool. helped raise Tony. Okay. So Tony names his artificial computer that kind of took Jarvis's job after him as an homage. But in the original comics, like you mentioned, like we see here, he was a live action butler for Tony Stark all the time. Yes, very much like Alfred.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, man. No, it's, it's so cool. And I think that's neat that, like you said, in Agent Carter, they did make the yeah. actual character
1: a person. Yeah. You know? like, so that's, yeah, very close to the original comic. And I'll tell you this. A lot of people are like, well, he's not an Avenger. So like, why does he count as part of the Assemble? <laughs> well, I'll tell you why. It's because of this guy.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> now, you guys may remember from Age of Ultron that the Mind Stone brought to life Jarvis's AI in the form of a hero we like to call the Vision. Yes.
0: And while, well, you know, like we said, we're focused on MCU here, so it's like. You know, it, it's it's cool that they took something that people were already established with, mm-hmm. and they were like, we're going to make this a character. Yes. You know? and, and like you said, it really made sense. You know? Yeah, but the way I'm, they folded it in. Because his yes. original
1: origin story is like crazy. Like, I won't yeah. even get into it. It is crazy. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. So the way they did it here was really great. And... On top of that, I think there can be an argument made, again, for giving Thor kind of half credit on this guy. Yeah. Because yeah. he jumps in, he's, he shocks him with the hammer, and that's when Vision comes to life. Yep, yep, So maybe you and I will have to discuss that later, whether or not we want to give some some points to Thor over the Vision Oh, absolutely. As well. But either way, we couldn't deny the fact that he brought Vision to the table. Um, one that we will kind of debate on, I'm sure, is Nick Fury.
0: Well, I mean... I would say yeah because I mean the movie you know that's the first person Nick Fury you know goes to look for Um, yeah
1: he's in the end credits of the 2008 Iron Man you know Sam Jackson shows up as Nick Fury to be like hey we're putting a team together you know so in a sense Iron Man was responsible for Nick Fury wanting to put the Avengers together but if we look more into it was he already setting that up because of the Hulk?
0: That's a good point. So yeah, Fury
1: yeah. might be someone that we're actually giving Hulk credit for. Okay, okay. So yeah, we really, so so we'll again, to... that one's a little, uh, I'm not 100% sure. He does first appear in this, so that's one thing. He was obviously a character outside of all of that mythos and originally in the comics. Um, but the one super, super, super big deal that I'm like, this 110% goes to Iron Man without a doubt. Agent
0: Colson. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, like you said, where he first appeared, uh, definitely, you know, and then he kind of just trickled throughout all the other movies. Yeah. And really, I mean, Colson's a very important character just for his role in the Avengers. You know, he's yeah. why the Avengers assemble, you know, absolutely. I mean, besides the, It's what yeah. they avenge. Yes. Yes. <laughs> there you go. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. it is what they avenge.
1: Now so. the uh one of the coolest things about Colson is like I can't find any reference to him outside of the film. So I believe that he was created for the film. If I'm wrong, hey, correct me in the comments. I think you're correct. Put, put me that. a link to that. But I'm pretty sure that Clark Gregg, uh, the actor portraying Phil Coulson, um, kind of embodied this character and made him come to life, this kind of humble, very quiet S.H.I.E.L.D. agent who in the movie just wants to talk to Tony Stark. He yeah. just wants to <laughs> yeah. talk to him about the suit. Are you Iron Man? What's going on? You know.
0: That's pretty awesome.
1: And yeah. the way that all develops and kind of turns into different things and the character becomes more and more prominent through Thor, through the Avengers, everything like that. And then spawning off into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all the beloved characters we get out of that because of Clark Gregg and Agent Coulson um, is really a huge boon for Iron Man in the Assemble sense to me. And it, it goes without saying that, you know, in, in it's kind of a spoiler. In the end, the Agents of Shield's like first season uh, and they're talking about how he's kind of brought back to life. He tells Nick Fury that the Tahiti project was only supposed to be used to bring back a fallen Avenger. Yes. And yes. Fury tells him that's exactly what we did. Yeah, you know, that was that was very cool. Yeah, it's a really like, touching moment for Clark Gregg. You can tell Coulson's just like, "Oh my God!" Like you're comparing me to an Avenger, and Fury's telling him like, "You're so instrumental in putting the team together, giving them the push that they needed to go out and be the Avengers, giving them something to avenge," which I know is probably not what he wanted to do but he was so crucial to the Avengers being the Avengers that this is a major bonus for, for Iron Man. I agree. Yeah. Definitely, you
0: know, being there from the beginning and definitely all of his roles throughout. Yeah, definitely. Colson and, and Iron Man bringing, I'm, yeah.
1: I'm going to throw some love for Phil Colson right there. you there. go. <laughs> He's my dog. So, granted, giving him all those points for all of those characters and then plus some in the wings that I know are smaller characters that we're not going to mention – uh, I don't think we can't give him a 10, you know? Yeah, I mean, he's I, just bringing it to the table, you know?
0: <laughs> I mean, even from the comic aspect, I'm pretty sure Iron Man is the one who pulls everybody together yes. from the assemble Avengers Assemble standpoint, so yeah. Yeah,
1: and in 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 order to try to keep this a reasonable amount of time for tonight's episode, <laughs> I did omit a lot of that in the history portion of this, but yeah, Iron Man, not S.H.I.E.L.D. in the comics, forms the avengers team you know it's actually the wasp that names them the avengers you know and a lot of different mythos go into the original creation that we don't see in the mcu but the way they're tying a bow on it is so nice that i really do kind of enjoy their backstory
0: absolutely man i can't disagree
1: with that 10. (laughs) all right moving on from there we got your Avenger score. Now, this is what makes you an Avenger, man. What's your character development? Who are you as a person? You know, what kind of hero are you? All these sort of things. And I thought it'd be uh, appropriate to start off with just talking about Robert Downey Jr. Sure, And sure. his portrayal of Iron Man and, and how he sort of captures and embodies the character. You know, because I, I just feel like this guy was born to play Tony Stark. You know, and if you ever watch some of the the behind-the-scenes footage, he's such a humble, nice guy. You know, uh, he's been through a lot of wild shit in his life, and he's using all of that experience to kind of bring to life the character of of Tony Stark in a way more interesting way than I ever felt like he came off in comics.
0: Oh, and absolutely, man. One thing I like about him is he's an older guy. You know, I mean, he's not. He, I mean. A lot of people joke and call Tom Holleran's Spider-Man Spider-Boy because he's so young. <laughs> well, people forget, of course, that Spider-Man did start off in high school, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Robert Downey Jr., What was he, like, 46,
1: I think? When they I made? think he was 41 when really? this
0: movie came out. Yeah. So that that's kind of just wild to think that, you know, the character, I, I would assume, yeah. would be
1: close in age to what? the
0: guy playing him is yeah
1: so it's it's it it made a lot of sense that he'd be an older guy who could build a suit who did have engineering degrees who had experience in his life you know all those things really made sense for the character but i can't think of a lot of other 40 or 40 year old actors that i think would have pulled it off do you remember who
0: wizard pegged as being the the guy who should play tony stark no it was supposed to be Tom Cruise. Oh, wow. And then another time, Nicolas Cage was actually a possibility. Wow. So just put those two into your mindset of... <laughs> yeah, I, I, know, I know I've know.
1: Yeah. i seen the quote from John Favreau. I've seen him actually say it in the behind-the-scenes footage where he's like, this was such a colossal undertaking for John Favreau to take on a movie of this size, the 2008 Iron Man, that he was like, I was really nervous. I'd never made a movie this big. The day I knew that everything was going to be fine, was when they said we got Robert Downey Jr. Yeah,
0: that's cool, you know, man. because
1: he was going to make it happen. And in interviews you see with Robert Downey Jr. where he talks about his love for being an actor, for portraying things on screen, for bringing characters to life... Um, you just realize that he cares about the project. I mean, you see him in in like civil war and realize that like, that's not an Avengers movie, but he still came out to do it. You know, he probably didn't get paid a super ton of money, but he had a huge part in that movie. So it shows that he cared about the character and the craft and the story and the, and the, the universe enough to give it his all. And the guy's just, he's just awesome. You know, he brings a lot of this very kind of charismatic influence to the character. Um, a lot of poise and posture they show him training a lot for it and his acting ability. I mean, this, this is a half a second on screen where he almost gets shot in the face, yeah, but he has yeah. the, the Iron Man thing that comes out of his watch and he puts it over this, this pistol. I think this is Bucky shooting him, right? I believe so. I believe
0: so. Yeah. Believe so. yeah that was it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but I mean, look at his face in a half a second. This guy looks genuinely afraid. Yeah. Like he's yeah. afraid for his life in this moment, you know? Uh, it's just it's that caliber of acting that he brings to the table, and then also can do something like this, you know. Yeah, no, very just,
0: very chill, yeah. very yeah. No, absolutely. I think it was a great choice. Um, you know, now it's almost like you almost couldn't imagine anybody else. Yeah, I know. Um, just speaking, you know, I know I've heard Robert Downey Jr. say his, at least so far, he's saying his days are numbered as far yeah. as you know. Not to throw out any spoilers. Who knows what's going to happen in Infinity War, but yeah, yeah. um. You know, we just never know. So, yeah, just he's done a great job so far. I hope he's around for a while.
1: It's funny. In the the behind-the-scenes footage for the original Iron Man, he says he could probably do this for five to seven years. Like we said, we're celebrating the 10-year anniversary of the character, (laughs) and he's still large and in charge, going to be out in, you know, Infinity War and the unnamed kind of fourth Avengers movie here. So, you know, he's hanging in there to really do what needs to get done, and I, I think that's fantastic. Um, But again, I can't stress enough how much emotion and character this guy brings to the table Um, again here in Civil War, kind of seeing how things are shaken down. And he's just like, this is a bad situation, you
0: know, absolutely, man. Uh, But but, but you really feel it. Yeah,
1: Yeah. You know, and that's not to say that any of the other actors aren't excellent because they are like everyone they cast is so meticulously chosen from Paul Bettany. Being the voice of Jarvis in the 2008 Iron Man to coming to life as Division in in Age of Ultron, but uh, seven years later, so yeah, that's you and, and
0: you know you'd like to imagine
1: that all that was
0: planned out from the get-go, and who yeah. knows, maybe
1: they had like little Hopes, notes and yeah, and yeah, inklings, and maybe we could pull this <laughs> off one day. But the fact that it's managed to come together, you know, Kevin Feige and the architects, Avi Arad, who are behind everything, ha- have really led this in the right direction and helped those. The kind of visions come true. And I think these fine actors really do a great job of bringing these characters to life and giving them more personality than I think they can have when different writers and artists portray the character over and over again. That's sure. They never seem to have a lasting sort of character quirk. Um, but I think Robert Downey Jr. And a lot of the other actors who are in the Avengers, every single one of them uh, bring their own character to it. And considering his work outside of the films uh, with children, with the audience, with the fans. This guy's just a good dude, man. <laughs> well, you know, you, what you
0: just said there kind of sparked an interest, and we'd probably have to do some research. I mean, is he like the Marvel, the MCU character that's been, you know, reprised so many times? I mean, I mean, you got to think about his number of movies with the <laughs> Avengers and stuff like that. He, yeah. He would probably most likely be, Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I guess, Thor my time. Well, no, Thor's
1: not in Civil War.
0: Good point, yeah. good point. Yeah, so he probably is the most, you know, Robert yeah. Downey Jr.
1: Uh, honestly, like, I think we would have to do some research because maybe the Hulk.
0: That's true. But Robert yeah. Downey
1: Jr. playing the same MCU character, yes. Because obviously, like, ten different people played the Hulk. Yeah, so. Edward
0: Norton and then Mark <laughs> Eric Bana,
1: yeah. Mark Ruffalo. Yes. Uh, uh What was his name, Bill Baxby or Bill Bixby?
0: Oh, back in the day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. So there's, there's been a lot of Bruce
1: Banners out there. Yes. But, um. Lou Ferrigno. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, he had one side. He had Bruce Bear, of course, the Hulk. You
1: know, the Hulk, you know. Yeah, absolutely, man. Mm -hmm. So anyways, Robert Downey Jr., super great guy. I think he makes Tony Stark so much more than Tony Stark was in the comic. I always liked Iron Man, but this guy makes you love Tony Stark, (laughs) you know. So bully on him. Anyways, getting back to our kind of rating system. So May 2nd, 2008, Iron Man 1 came out. Rotten Tomatoes still holds it at a ninety-four percent. What do you think of the movie,
0: man? Iron Man One is awesome. Yeah. I mean, I've I rewatched it maybe like six months ago, and like mm-hmm. it hasn't aged. I mean, it, yeah. I just think it is. It's it's a great superhero film. I mean, I know we've been singing praises the whole night, but like, yeah, like I mean, I I mean, it's hard to beat Avengers, you know, the first Avengers. Yeah. But yeah, like yeah, Iron Man One. If you're going to talk about single you know, movie superheroes. It's just awesome.
1: Yeah, like I said, I very much wanted to see a lot of what happened in Iron Man 1 story and character progression-wise kind of happen in Black Panther, and I don't feel like it really did.
0: I could agree with you know. that. They, You know, just the, the whole package. Like, yeah. when you left, you were like, yeah. You know, yeah. like, where's it going to go next? Like, Like you said, Black Panther leaves a lot open, mm-hmm. you know, being that, you know, it's so far along with the and we know he's going to be in you know infinity war so you know we'll see where that goes yes. but yes for a standalone movie it's hard yeah. to beat this guy because you know what at this time they didn't know there was going to be a full-on universe mm-hmm. you know so they really put it in there and it turned out really great so
1: yeah absolutely man well let's move on Iron Man 2 came out May 7th 2010 just two years later Rotten Tomatoes holds it at a 73 um which I think is fair because there is a lot of kind of repetitiveness to that movie.
0: Probably my biggest complaint would be that yeah, yeah. it's so similar to the first. I said it has you know like I said even just tonight gained some more respect for me just because how much it does attribute from the comics. Sure, it it takes it in and re you know puts that to screen. Points definitely there, but yeah, just besides bringing in War Machine, I thought you know the whole villain wasn't that great yeah i wish
1: yeah. we could have seen more of whiplash i don't yeah. know if that's because they just yeah. don't want to deal with mickey rourke or like what's going on but whiplash is really a character that to me was iconic for iron man books when i read them
0: sure and i mean i know the crimson dynamo is like yeah an important character but kind of meshing them together
1: yeah i, I don't know to yeah. me it just hit i mean it was the... cool to have justin hammer's sort of story but you almost wish that was its own story well that's why like, i i mean has he, I don't know, maybe in The Shield, does he come back or do
0: any, has he made any more of an impact or?
1: All, all Like in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a lot of times you'll see like enemy gear is hammer tech. Okay, okay. Uh, but so. that's all you see. Like now Sam Rockwell is not hanging around or anything. It'd be nice, but no.
0: Yeah, I'd like to see him come back.
1: Yeah, definitely. So a 73 is probably fair for Iron Man 2. Although, there's a lot of really great nods to the comics in it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, like you said, the, yeah. the briefcase, when he pulls the briefcase on. The is, racing. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. The racing. Yeah. Uh, Hogan comes out to save him. Yes. So, I didn't even realize that was from the original comic. You That's know? awesome, so, man. Yeah, that was really cool. Black Widow showing up is great. You know, oh, yeah. Uh, ScarJo. So, oh, oh. Oh. <laughs> right? So, a lot of good stuff in here. Don Cheadle kind of replacing Terrence Howard. I feel bad. I don't mean to knock Terrence Howard, but Don Cheadle's like, amazing. He's awesome. You know? So, yeah, a a lot's going on in that movie, um, but it's just it's almost too much. Yeah. Yeah. Iron Man 3.
0: You know, I have to say, like, when I saw Iron Man 3, I was like, this is great. You know, it's a newer story, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of, you know, it doesn't it doesn't do a lot of the repetitive stuff that I felt the second one did was very disappointed in how it handled the mandarin but (laughs) then like when you know they brought in the other guy and he's like i am the mandarin or you know he he has all the powers and stuff like that i was like i kind of see where they're going but it was a cool um i don't want to say the end to iron man's trilogy because i don't know maybe there's gonna be a fourth iron (laughs) man you know but it was a a nice wrap to the story that began in the first one And then, you know,
1: yeah, yeah, it was a great character arc for Tony Stark himself. And I think a lot of the dealing with PTSD from what happened in New York oh, yeah, from the missile, from almost dying, from falling out of the sky, from his first time ever really being in a war. Yeah, you know, that his reaction to it, and again, kind of bolstering, you know, Robert Downey Jr., his portrayal of that was excellent. You know, all the screenwriters, everyone who did work on that, and everything that went into it. It really came off really great. On oh, Rotten Tomatoes, they rate this as an 80, and I feel like they're cheating this movie. You know, I feel like this was a lot better than an 80, personally. I just
0: think, like like you said, like the, those phase one movies, they kind of, you know, uh, besides Iron Man 2, uh, but, you know, like a lot of those other ones had really high marks, yeah. and it was because it was so new. And I think as people kind of got deeper and deeper into these, they were like looking for other things. Yeah. But I thought, like you said, compared to Iron Man 2, I thought, I agree, this this should definitely be in the high 80s, I I, I think. Like, I don't know if it's a 90. Yeah, yeah. yeah but I'd say but
1: yeah. 87-ish, I think would really be pretty fair for this movie, because yeah. there's a lot of it that's excellent. It is. And it really is. good and really fun. My only complaint about it, again, is like maybe it was a little long in parts, but when you think back on the movie, you can just name through scenes that were fun and exciting. Oh, yeah. You know, the end part, the skydiving part, you know, the the part where he's handcuffed to a bed. You know, there's, <laughs> you just go on and on about fun scenes in this movie that you enjoy. Um, calling out the Mandarin the first time in front of his house, his house getting blowed up. You know, there's just all these epic moments that I'm like, not like every beat of this movie was great, you know. So pepper
0: as, yeah. the you know it could be a thing for to her becoming
1: rescue eventually yeah know? yeah so. absolutely her her comic book persona kind of yes. coming coming okay. to light but moving on from those three uh films we've got age of ultron oh, yeah. which i think is, is a pretty big critical thing for tony stark and the advancement of iron man himself and his character again because this is the first time we really see that that what they told him in the Avengers that sometimes there was going to be a sacrifice play, you know, and he does that at the end. He, he sacrifices himself, but he skates out by the skin of his teeth. But now he's really in that mode of like, I need to do something to protect the world when I'm gone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of what he's working towards with the AI and advancing Jarvis and making vision and all this sort of stuff that comes out in the movie. You know, what ultimately becomes Ultron, which is a bad thing. And then he has to stop it. And then it becomes what, Battles him with guilt and Civil War and, and all this, different, like the complexity that he goes through as a character, I think is phenomenal in this movie.
0: Oh, yeah. And, you know, definitely even like when the whole, you know, after Ultron leaves pretty much star, or um, Avengers Tower, you know, he goes and he opens up the new facility and stuff, yep. you know. So, I mean, yeah, like you said, you definitely can see that he's trying to pave the way for you know, safety. Cause as yes. just like we know with all the other comic book movies, whenever you get these superheroes, you get super villains too.
1: So. Yeah. Cause I, I would very much say that like, I wouldn't give him a very high Avenger score in like Iron Man because it, is he really helping many people besides himself through most of the movie? <laughs> I mean, he does go back to Afghanistan yeah. take his weapons out, stuff like that. He does a lot of good, but, it's all for selfish reasons. He's doing that because that's his tech. He needs to get out of the hands of bad people. Sure, you sure, know. So while it's an altruistic action, what is really his motivation? That's what kind of I attribute the Avengers score to. You know, it's why we said Captain America would yeah, be like 10, easy, because he's like the goodest person, you know? Absolutely. Uh, but Tony Stark, They don't even want him as an Avenger, remember? Like in Iron Man 2, they're like, you're narcissistic, you don't play well with others. Yeah, they reject them. Yeah, Yeah. so this movie, I think, really starts to turn the tide of Tony Stark being that philanthropist uh, of real altruism, you know? And I think it, 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 you know... Nothing says that more than building something to destroy a friend of yours. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And he has such great respect for Bruce Banner, and he thinks the Hulk is so intriguing, but he definitely builds this machine to control it. You know, he starts that the... um, uh, What's that business he has where they clean up after the Hulk? Oh, uh, damage control. Yes, damage control. He starts that in this movie. You know, he has uh, Veronica shoot down the thing to try to contain the Hulk. He's doing what he can, not only to save and help his friend, but to help and save people and clean up after the mistakes that they make. So it's really showing a lot of character development to me and him in that sense.
0: Absolutely, man. Like you said, just as, you know, like you said, eventually he he does have his Hulkbuster armor here, which is awesome. (laughs) And yeah, it's just, you know... It's just like he's like you said, even though it's almost like the like Batman's thing where he's like, I need to know how to defeat all of you guys, Mm -hmm. you know. So it's like, yeah, he he made this specifically if he had to fight someone like the Hulk or the Hulk himself. Yeah. Yep.
1: Absolutely, man. Very cool. So this this moment here in Spider-Man Homecoming again is a great kind of character development for Tony Stark to me, where you remember Spider-Man's yelling at the suit. Yeah. And he's like, I know you're just an empty suit. If you really cared, you'd be here. And what happens? Yeah, he
0: was there. Yeah. He
1: jumps right out of his suit. The whole audience is kind of caught off guard. You're like, dude, that was great. But again, this is a young kid. He wasn't going to leave him out there when some serious stuff was going down. You know, he came to help him. And Spider-Man Homecoming really illustrates how far... Tony Stark has come in the sense that he's recruiting new people, he's training them, he's giving them tools like the tools that he has. He's trusting other people to use his tech and his weapons and things like that, and he's teaching them how to be responsible with it. So he really is developing into the head of the Avengers. You know,
0: absolutely, man. Uh, like you said, this is a very awesome scene, and you know, definitely just kind of goes to show like he is taking that more mature role. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. See the character development,
1: and then just a quick shout out to the uh, Incredible Hulk and <laughs> cutscene where he comes up to talk to General Ross. I always thought this was just such a cool scene. Not a lot of people catch it because not a lot of people, I think, really pay attention to the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, you know, it, it doesn't. Yeah. It almost doesn't because Edward Norton. It doesn't fit in with the rest of the mythos or whatever. Yeah. But it's the same actor that plays General Ross. You know, yep. he's yep. sitting there at the bar, but uh, he comes back in Age of Ultron and stuff. But even here, you can see that Tony is like, "Hey." he came to General Ross to be like, I heard you got a Hulk problem,
0: man. Yeah, 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 you yeah know, yeah.
1: So from the get-go, it's kind of like, does he want this because he thinks the Hulk is like a cool toy? or? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like where is, does
0: it fit? Yeah,
1: yeah or is, is he trying to help? So I think ultimately, it's that sort of back-and-forth mentality of is he doing all this stuff for himself to leave a legacy or to really do right by mankind? And I see that, a pattern of us steadily leaning towards he's doing right by mankind. How, how do you feel? Well, one
0: thing I would definitely say from the scene, I, I agree with you, you know, he's, 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 you know, versus like his little playboy toys, you <laughs> know, he's like, I want to do good. Yeah. You know, but also in the scene, you know, the first movie, you know, the the end scene, you never got an answer. Yeah. It was pretty much just Sam, you know, or, um, Nick Fury saying, "Hey, you know, I'm going to start up the Avengers or we're we're going to start the Avenger initiative." Mm-hmm. And it just cuts to black. Like here it's like him it's confirmed that Tony's interested. You know, yes. it's you know, it's a, it was really like, "Hey, it was like the next step." You know, he goes to Ross and he's like, "Hey, you he got a problem? You know, we're putting a <laughs> team together." You know, so yeah, it was it, it was pretty cool. It definitely got us jazzed. For what we now had to wait, or at that time had to wait like another like year and a half before <laughs> uh, the next movie came out. So yeah, now now we're getting what three a year. So it's like That's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, absolutely.
1: But I will say that his kind of narcissism, that he's sh- getting away from his sort of "don't hand me things" attitude, yeah. uh, is going to shave a couple points off his overall Avenger score. But I think ultimately we can settle at an eight. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Like just. He, he, it's where it began. Yeah. You know, it,
1: if anything does happen to
0: Stark, you know, like oh, like where he can't be Iron Man or he's just no longer in the movies, it's going to be a weird time after that because he really is the progenitor of that. You know, of, of that, of that, of the Avengers. I mean, yeah.
1: of, of the whole MCU. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to my score, El Bandito's score. Let's see what do I think of Iron Man. I'm going to give him a 10. I love this dude. The 2008 movie rocked me. I loved it. Everything he's in since. Robert Downey Jr., amazing. Uh, I always liked Iron Man in comics, but he wasn't my favorite. To me, he was just kind of a B-list character. But his portrayal on screen, the MCU, he's like your go-to guy. I think his popularity is on point for how cool, interesting, fun, and exciting of a character he is. 10 out of 10 for me.
0: Oh, man. Well, you know, I definitely agree with those uh, why you gave them that score, man. But I'm going to have to share my score right here. All right. Let's see what Charles. All right. Score. Here we go. Oh, what did I do? Oh, man. I know it's a little lower than uh, what El Bandito gave him. But just give me a second. The thing is, is like I know we were talking about like what we rated Captain America at last mm-hmm. month, which I gave Captain America an eight. And as you can see here, I gave uh, uh, Iron Man a seven. So there's. I definitely do like Cat more as a character, but Iron Man, like, is is very important to the movies. Like we said, he was the first, you know, first MCU movie, Mm -hmm. you know, so it definitely, it it has that importance. And, like, with all the stuff we've talked about tonight, it's just that there's certain things, like I said, Iron Man 2 has never really been my favorite movie, and, and, you know, just certain things where I've always felt like he was a little further pushed than where he belonged but i can't deny that you know iron man is a very important avenger Um, his movies like you said without iron man happening we wouldn't have what we have today so (laughs) i'm very grateful for it but yeah i'm gonna go with a giving him a total score of a seven you guys will have to find out in a future episode who is my favorite avenger
1: Absolutely, guys. But now's the time when we need your help, right? All right. It's been a long time coming, but we need your help and take your time. It doesn't have to be today. It doesn't have to be tomorrow, but whenever you get around to it, Drop a comment down here and let us know that you love Iron Man. Right now, this counts as one additional point for Iron Man. We'll add up the total of all the points we've given him tonight. We'll compare it across all the other Avengers. You're allowed to vote for more than one. You're allowed to vote multiple times if you want to say you love Iron Man a hundred times. Say you love Iron Man a hundred times in the comments. We would love that, dude. You can comment either here or on our YouTube page. We're gonna tabulate all of those responses together. If you want to, uh, you know, shoot over and give Cap some love on our other page, or if you want to just give a Cap some love here, you can. Do that, throw him a vote. But yes, definitely like, share, vote, subscribe, let us know what's going on, man. And show some love for Iron Man. We're going to, right? Oh, you know it, man. (laughs) Yeah, like Al Bandito
0: said, man. Go on there and you guys throw them. We know tonight was an extra long show, but we had so much stuff to cover, the history the you know the comics the the few fu- the, the past of the mcu the future yes. man there's just so much stuff we hope you guys have enjoyed it you know like you said throw in the comments who's your favorite you know we'll, we'll add up all those and then yeah man we'll see at the end who is the ultimate avenger
1: absolutely guys like we told you earlier head over to our youtube page subscribe over there you'll be entered for a chance to win in our raffle a copy of Thor Ragnarok on Blu-ray when it's released March 6th. We're doing our drawing here on the show on March 5th. Join us next week, 9 p.m., Monday night, and we'll be here with some awesome... What what are we covering next week?
0: Oh, man, we're jumping into convention mania
1: oh that's right man we have got all sorts of conventions happening all over florida and all over the rest of the country it's the springtime people are getting out there and showing some love and we want to let you know where you can go out and find some of the coolest and hottest stuff out there so like we said join us next week for that otherwise we'll see you guys out there
0: yeah